All right, hello. Welcome to episode 48 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with myself, my bad self, Stephen Hill, and the very good self, Mr. Renfrew Dedman. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Me. Yes, well, you've been away for a week, mate, so that's I wanted true. to say something nice about that's you. Nice, that's nice, thank you. as nice as it's going to get. <laughs> I'm the angel and you're the devil. Uh, yeah, sure. if you like. That's, I don't see why not. Seems a little bit obvious, I would say, <laughs> Renfrew. It's a little bit trite. I expect more than that from you. But hey, you hey know. cliches are cliche for a reason. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Uh, on this week's show, thanks very much for tuning in, incidentally, um, we will be talking about new releases from Bruce Springsteen and the Raconteurs. Uh, they are not strictly new, new, new They're albums. Not new, 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 no. But the reason why is because the rest of the show is a packed, almost travelogue from Renfrew. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, I've turned into Michael Palin for one week and one week only because yeah. I've been all around the world. Uh, like, actually, Europe. But, just, yeah. a Euro- just a one just part Europe. of Europe, isn't it? Well, oh, two. Well, well. In London's part of Europe uh, at the moment. Okay. Since I've last done this podcast, I've been to Amsterdam, mm-hmm. Czech Republic. I've driven across the whole of Germany. I wasn't doing the driving. but right. a, uh, Basically, we drove back from the Czech Republic. Yeah. So we went through Germany, Poland... Mackie D's in Poland. Oh. oh yeah. Oh yeah, mate. You just get so many more options. Do you? You get like there's so like they had an egg McMuffin, which was like farmers market beef McMuffin. I'm like, oh, where Poland getting farmers market beef? And do you know the mental thing about it? Like a, a meal in Poland for uh, a McDonald's meal in Poland is the equivalent of like two pounds sixty. Yeah. No wonder Robert Lewandowski looks so happy all the time. <laughs> So another uh, footballer, everyone. Anyone uh, who doesn't normally... Where else did I go know, through? Uh, go Belgium. On. I stayed in Belgium for a night. Yeah. And uh, dro- drove through France. Belgium's lovely. Belgium's lovely. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. nice. Last time to Belgium was um, on uh, to go to Grosse Rock to see Rancid ah. on, my, on my stag do. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, I, um, probably shouldn't. Mention, mention that too much but it <laughs> uh, was good i went to bruges once that was good yeah i went to bruges with i went to bruges with my school and i uh we went to like the battlefields in um somewhere you know the, the name of it escapes me now but oh, i tripped over as i was going up a muddy hill and i cut my just as bad thumb. as actually being there wasn't it, oh, right? it was it was well, it got pretty bad i, I tripped <laughs> over and hit my thumb on like a little bit of rusty some debris yeah. And my thumb swelled up to about five times its size. I looked like one of those wavy hand <laughs> things. Uh, it was really bad. So I was, and I was in a bad way. So um, what did you do, Belgium? Well, did- I just had to suffer, didn't I? Because what can I do? They don't have the NHS over there. The scum. Scum. Well, I don't think we're going <laughs> to have it for do. much longer. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> things are going. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we're going to be chatting about that. And also, we go to some pretty fucking dark places this week on Trade Off with uh, Neil Young and Pearl Jam. Not so much, but certainly with the paper chase, <sighs> we go hell, to yeah. some seriously dark places. Uh, that's all coming up. We should say thank you once again to our friends at Musicism, uh, who are our partners in crime. That'll do. Yeah more the bosses and we're sort of the heavies aren't we um uh would you say that's true they like it's, it's all of... a democracy mate it's all a democracy all right good uh and they provide some of the very very best not even some of the very best completely the best online tutorials for the budding musician over at musicism.net it's only nine pound 99 a month to sign up to a plethora of courses uh and you can get 25 percent off when you put the word riot R-I-O-T in capital letters in the checkout 25% off the courses 
I'd say that's a bargain. Um, that sounds very much like an advert, doesn't it, Rimfrey? It does. Do you yeah, want like, another one? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is uh, uh, like hilarious. So we have to say a very, very big thank you to our sponsors. We have sponsors now. Mm. Go on, Rimfrey. Tell them who our sponsors are. Well, in a uh, in a <laughs> totally unbiased sponsor move. <laughs> the one time where people will go, he's just saying that. Well, he, this time they'll go, oh, he's... he's really does believe all the stuff he's about to say for the sponsors. The very best festival in the UK have decided to sponsor this measly, pathetic show. It's amazing that Arc Tangent have decided to sponsor, give us money for something that you would have done for free. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> have been doing for free Pretty much, for nearly a year. Because I keep sucking them off every week. They're like, well, yeah. I might as well just chuck you something, I suppose. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but this benefits you, dear listener. Should we tell you precisely what it is? Because someone might, this might be the first time they've ever tuned in. That's a very good point, Yes. Tangent Festival is the UK's premier math rock, post rock, and interesting experimental, experimental music rock music festival. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this year it features Coheed and Cambria, uh, who are the other, and Meshuggah, and Battles, and as, battles as headliners, yes. plus a plethora, I'm going to use that word again because it's a great word, Good word. of fucking awesome bands which we talk about all the time on mm-hmm. this podcast. But we are offering Riot Act listeners a 10% discount. Mm-hmm. That is. How much is an art tangent ticket? I don't know. 100 quid? It's not a thousand pounds. Oh, I thought you meant the discount. discount. 100 quid. (laughs) It's about 100 quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're offering you a 10% discount discount with the code RIOTACT. All as one word. Oh, it's different from the other code. That's so annoying. That's all right. It's fine. All right. Different code. Oh, Art tangent code. No. Riot Act. All one word. Capital R, capital A. Lovely stuff. Riot Act in the checkout. Capital R, capital A. And that will give you what I like to call a 1990s price on your uh, your festival ticket. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Because that knocks it down to below the £100 mark, yeah. I, w- I would imagine. Yeah, and, I imagine so. Um, I remember paying 80 quid for the fir- my first Reading ticket. Happy Ooh, fucking days. You old todger. Thank you. Um, it's Arc Tangent. Uh, it takes place 15th to the 17th of August in Bristol. It was winner of the best small festival in the UK at mm-hmm. uh, the UK Festival Awards, yep. which I think it thoroughly deserves. Uh, and yeah, you can get a 10% discount to it. So thanks very much to the good folk at Arc Tangent. We will see you there. Yeah, we'll do that better festival. next week as well. Uh, well... <laughs> I don't know if we'll be able to. Like, I'll actually so, get the bands in front of me. Is your one shot, Renfrey, <laughs> to actually like do it for, for, with some kind of financial gain behind it? And almost like, it's almost like the anti-sellout, isn't it? It's like, oh, I, I do it every week anyway. Come to go, well, we'll give you some money if you pick us a, up. And... I was in a different country for yeah, yeah. Okay, ago. Fine. Just give me a break. <laughs> but anyway, I would like to say, uh, Art Tangent, um, thanks very much for sponsoring yeah, our podcast. Thank and that's very, very nice of you. Um, also, if you want to go to our Patreon page, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast, there is a new Rioters review with uh, me and Renfrey talking about Bubblegum by Mark Lanigan. I believe that is the latest one that's that one up, is up yeah. right now. Um, really, uh, really hope that we can announce some extra stuff that we're doing on our patreon page soon because we oh, are we can we can we are what right now no not now okay right uh, our birthday our birthday party well, our birthday mate 22nd i think i mentioned it very quickly last week and tickets amazingly have sold out this is ridiculous i um thank you so much uh a little peek behind the curtain me and steve were <laughs> unsure whether to even put this on because we basically i didn't want to do it like let's yeah, see peek behind the curtain. i went i don't think we should do this yeah because um and, and I, th- I think 
I'm safe in saying the primary reason was you basically didn't think anyone would turn up. That is the real reason. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, the fact that we have sold out our allocation in mm. uh, uh, four or five days. Yeah. Is fucking bonkers to we, us. So thank you. That's we might amazing. try and see if we can add some more tickets onto it because you yeah, know, like let's see if we can get a few more people in because basically. 22nd July at the Tap House. Is that what it's called? 22nd July at the Signature Brew Tap Room. Tap Room, yes. The Signature Brew Tap Room. 22nd July. That's a Monday, unfortunately. I know it's a bit of a bummer, but, you know, we need to record the podcast early on. We're having a party. Um, I'm not going to reveal exactly what this party entails yet, but put it this way. I think it's on the Facebook page if you want to. Is it? What? No one fucking told me that. Um... (laughs) Basically, so we're having a party, but we're having some guests along. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got some guests already confirmed. I'll tell you who they are uh, when they're all confirmed. Yeah. But we've got some cool right. guests, and we'll be doing some cool stuff with the guests. And it will just be, we'll have cake, we'll have party poppers. Can't believe that. We'll have, said yes. Oh, my God. When we get to Metallica, I'm going to talk, you know yeah, I'm going to talk know, about Matt Tuck. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. You need to wait. So, good Matt Tuck story coming up later on in the show. But um, let us say, yeah, anyway, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Come along to the um, uh, the birthday party when we release some more tickets. We will try and see if we can squeeze some more people in yeah. the back. And obviously That's we'll all... let you know if we release more tickets. Yes, yes, we will. Um, so we should probably just, rather than do the live reviews, because there are a lot of live reviews. My God. Uh, we'll make this kind of like a live special. We'll kick straight off with talking about the new album from Bruce Springsteen, which came the out boss. a couple of weeks ago. The Boss, Bruce Springsteen. Western Stars. It is a Bruce Springsteen action, um, album and not a Bruce Springsteen featuring the E Street Band album. This is very definitely yes. a Springsteen release. Yes. Um, uh, there are, I think we, you know, if you haven't listened to the writers review about Mark Lanigan yet, we do kind of pontificate the difference between a Mark Lanigan release and a Mark Lanigan band release. And again, spoiler alert, we don't really come up with anything concrete particularly, do we? Not for Mark Lanigan and Mark Lanigan Band, but I... For Bruce Springsteen. For Bruce Springsteen and Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, I would say there's quite a large yes. difference. Yeah, well, that was exactly what I was about okay, to say. Cool, cool. Um, this is uh, Bruce Springsteen. Um, uh, yeah, the, more of the kind of the, the solo, What if you are familiar with the differences. What would you say are the differences then, Renfrew, between kind of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and just a straight Bruce Springsteen record? Well, um, I... I, I will answer that question. I'm just going to go in with a couple of factoids first. Okay. It's been um, it's been seen as Springsteen's cowboy album, this album. And so rather than having the kind of Americana, um, I'm driving in my car with my woman by my side, mm. or whatever kind of thing, it pushes it ever so slightly into the country and Western realm rather than the sort of folksy Americana blue collar Thing. Yeah, and I think the difference that, that was. Can I just say to, to jump on that? That was the in I, well, first time I listened to this album, and I listened to it with um, FFG, my American friend. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was like, "Oh no, no, don't do country. I don't want Bruce Springsteen doing country." Mm-hmm. But she's from that part. She's from down mm-hmm. south, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Oh no," and I was like, "Ah, come on, mm-hmm. it's the boss." Well, and there's. It's a subtle, comparable. They're comparable things, I think. To, it's, you know. it's a subtle difference, to be honest. The blue collar yeah, Americana so. stuff in the country and Western stuff, but I think it's enough of a difference to. Uh, 
I, my ears prefer the blue collar Americana stuff. Let's just say that. I, yeah, I, me too. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not in any way saying that this isn't authentic because I don't think Springsteen is capable of being inauthentic, to be honest. But, um, but no, there's on, a slight on, sheen that's put on it, which makes it feel a little less. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pick yeah, that yeah, apart yeah, slightly, actually, yeah. because I'm not, again, I'm not saying it isn't authentic, but at the same time, he's not, he's not a cowboy. He's no, not from I know. that part of the world. He's not grown up. I mean, he might have grown up listening to that. I mean, when you look at the, the the kind of what I've read about many of this stuff, he said he was as inspired by Burt Bacharach and Glenn Campbell. You can really he, hear he that, yeah, Bacharach and, particularly, and um, and you can definitely, you know, you can definitely hear that. But that is not Bruce Springsteen's oeuvre, primary source of inspiration throughout his no. throughout his his very long and distinguished career mm-hmm. and um and so whilst you know i would be loath to use the word inauthentic i don't think it's the sort of thing that naturally comes from his soul i feel like when you listen to the river which is my favorite Bruce springsteen album mm-hmm. incidentally when you listen to that i feel like you are listening to the like the real bruce springsteen and i'm not saying again I'm not saying this is not the real Bruce Springsteen. I'm just saying this is Bruce Springsteen going, hmm, I think I'll try my hand at this because I, it's something that I enjoy. I mean, I'm sure, you know, he is a, he's a man who's well-versed in many, many different musical genres. Mm. I'm sure he does listen to a lot of country mm. music. He obviously mm. listens to, uh, you know, lots and lots of different things. But um, But this definitely doesn't fit as snugly a glove as Bruce Springsteen doing that kind of filly... Yeah. Uh, Americana that you you spoke about before. Well, not to my ears, it doesn't. But um, but you know, there are. This album has done very well. Bruce Springsteen yeah. albums always do very well. well. Of course they do. Yeah. Um, I I think I'll pick you up on one thing. I mean, uh, in terms of the inauthenticity. I mean, a lot of the songs that he was writing on Nebraska, you know, I don't think Atlantic City, I don't think he was going through what was happening in that song at that time. I think he's always been able to be the voice of the down and out. Yeah. And 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 have that through line to the down and out people, but whilst playing stadiums. Well, it's know. funny because I think that actually, like, I thought about Nebraska a lot whilst listening to this record. Yeah, as did I. Mm. I did, Um, which is... <laughs> It's pretty like that. That in itself is difficult, isn't it? Yes. It's difficult to think about an album like as good as Nebraska yeah. whilst listening to this and get the same. Yeah. And it, and it to come off like going, oh, good. So Nebraska, for those who don't know, is uh, I think it's Springsteen's it's early. fifth record. Yeah. Uh, Before our time, anyway. Definitely, yeah. And it was um, it was his first without the E Street Band, mm. I believe. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, I don't mean this in a dispiriting way, but it's his, his, it's his Dylan record, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's predominantly him and an acoustic guitar, uh, four chords and the truth, yeah. uh, harmonica features on it. Probably my only issue with the album, probably a little bit too much, but you know, it does on most Dylan albums as well. well so. I was, was going to say it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you know, heavily influenced by Bob yeah. Dylan and, yeah. and, and, you know, the kind of the sound of Bob Dylan and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and it's like, a great record. Yeah. Basically. It's a really, really good, you know, it's a really good record. And I think, you know, it, it's difficult when I think we, you know, we, we've, we have reviewed a handful of kind of legendary artists in their twilight years on Mm. this podcast over the Mm -hmm. last year or so um and usually um we had morrissey who i was sort of quite keen on and you were less keen on i thought it was all right though yeah we thought it was all right um 
it was also probably helped that it was a covers album and so yeah. you know um we've had ian brown who we were both fairly kind of uh, why you yeah. didn't like it at all and i was really like, like yeah it's all right yeah um we had the paul weller album which i did not like at all and you didn't yeah. like either um and you know and we had the specials which i think you like more than me yeah i um, quite like that much but it's rare to kind of get uh one of these artists and i think i'm trying to think of there's not too many that I can even think of off the top of my head who you would put on and go, you know what? I want to listen to that at this point of their career and it's of a comparable quality to them at their very, very best. Or it's different enough, but still of a comparable quality to me to still want to be able to listen to it. I would think Robert Plant, like yeah, Rainbow by Robert Plant is uh, a fucking great record. Nick Cave. I mean, Nick, Nick Cave. Cave's last album was Skeleton Tree, which is one of the oh, best yeah, records yeah, he's ever that's, released. Yeah. So yeah. more about Nick Cave later. We'll talk about Nick Cave in a bit. But I think actually Bruce Springsteen has <clears throat> been able to kind of be one of those people over the years. Some some of his... Um, so, so the last Springsteen album that I really responded to was Wrecking Ball, which was only um, 10... Well, it was about 10 odd yeah, years ago. But, the last decade, yeah. But yeah, but you know, Wrecking Ball, I think is... Uh, uh, there's plenty of stuff in his latter day career, let's say post 2000, which mm. is fantastic. Mm. The Rising is basically a response to 9-11. That's a wonderful record. That is record. a great record, The Rising, yeah. Um, is it Angels and Dust, is it called? Dust and Devils, I want to say. Uh, I don't know. Oh, there's I have the, Bitty, I'm Bitty. Yeah. By it kind of, really kind of, I'd say probably post the ghost of tom joe and i think we'll have this with neil young later when we talk about him as well is that i got so far into other things that i dropped off and then i kind of picked it up at okay. a weird point again well springsteen fans will probably be shouting at their whatever <laughs> device they're listening to this on but yeah. i think it's called dust and devils or something like that that's very good i i thought working on a dream was a really good record you know i mean that's four that. that's four albums uh, from his post two thousand period, so in the late last nineteen years, that yeah. I've, which are all, which all, to, to, in my opinion, stand up against his old, old, old stuff. Mm. Certainly, I mean, I'm not saying that. Maybe with the exception of the Rising, because that is fucking amazing. I'm not saying that all four of those are in his absolute best, but they are very, very good and well worth listening to. Yeah. So, um, so it is possible. It is possible. Now, <clears throat> with all that as a caveat, uh, quite a large caveat as well, I suppose, which is what you kind of have to do when you're discussing an album with such a, uh, yeah. a an artist with such a massive, vast back catalogue. Um, this is a 19th record. Yeah, yeah 19th record. So Western Stars, you would say is, I mean, we've kind of, I feel like we've already hinted at yeah. <laughs> this a little bit in the sort of build up to it. But um yeah, I'll tell you, I'll take it for a bit. I think there are moments on this that are great. Yes, so do I. Um, I spoke to you a couple of days ago and I was like, I'm really not feeling it. And I'm not yep. that keen on going onto the podcast and slagging off Bruce Springsteen. I don't no. really want to do that, but I feel like I'm going to have to do that. Because I think it, it doesn't start great, this record. Oh. I don't think it starts that well. I think that kind of very overtly country sounding stuff comes in very early on and it makes it makes it a very apparent very quickly oh, yeah, it's the yeah. cowboy it's record like, yeah, here yeah. we go you know hitchhiking rayfarer tuscan train uh or t is that tucson that's tucson isn't it tucson train tucson train tucson yeah. train yeah. tucson idiot um uh, th they are mad country 
you know what I mean? They are, they're, yeah. That's full country that you go and put yeah. much in it. I, 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 I'm just going to say, I don't mind hitchhiker, uh, hitchhiking mm. as a as an opener. I think the Wayfair is fine. Yeah, don't, but I, I was like that. pretty, it's I could kind time. of, I could, you know, although I don't despise the sound of country, yeah. uh, it was fairly jarring and it was quite noticeable. I oh, thought okay. that that's what he was doing. Okay. And the, if the songs aren't great, then you just go, oh, you started it, which is yeah. the reaction that I spoke about. Yeah, before. I don't think they're amazing. No. They're okay. When it gets to kind of, um, I mean, particularly there's a little run from Sleepy Joe's Cafe, Drive Fast, Chasing Wild Horses, Sundown, somewhere north of Nashville. That little run of five there, I think is really great. And it's still, you know, it's still inflected by the sound of kind of, um, you know, I get, well, one of them's called somewhere north of Nashville. So obviously the country element doesn't completely dissipate. Yeah. But either I got used to it or I started to find myself in the groove of it or I started to notice yeah. more Springsteen-isms cropping uh-huh. up in those songs. Um, I found myself enjoying those parts more. And tellingly, they are the ones that are slower. They are the ones yes. that are more musically sparse. It's just yes. guitar. Um keys i mean particularly um drive fast is just keys and or like a a kind of piano part and a guitar and then there's a little tiny bit of an orchestral swell that comes in towards the end of it Mm -hmm. but it's so it's it's perfectly expertly executed Mm -hmm. um and the lyrics are fucking great as well yeah yeah when the lyrics i mean as you would expect with the springsteen when the lyrics are good they're fucking amazing on this Mm -hmm. album uh, my favourite song on the album you've mentioned there already is um, Somewhere North of Nashville. Yeah, I that think is a brilliant that is song. a beautiful song. It's less than two minutes long and that is basically Bruce and a guitar. It is mm. <laughs> the most Nebraska moment yep. on this album, which recalls Nebraska, uh, you know, a fair bit. Um, and lyrically, I mean, you know, came into town with a pocket full of songs i made the rounds but i didn't last long now i'm out on this highway with a bone cold chill somewhere north of nashville yeah it's Ugh, i would agree with you that that beautiful. is in in one minute and 52 seconds that absolutely steals the record the story he tells in yeah. that amount of time it is beautiful yeah and you could whack, you could whack that on nebraska and it would work perfectly yeah yeah, yeah. um and I do like a lot of those songs that you mentioned. Chasing Wild Horses, I think, is brilliant. Mm. There's a song you didn't mention called Stones, which I think lyrically... Which comes up straight yeah, after, yeah. Stones is... I mean, Stones is basically... The, the lyric is like, I've got stones in my mouth every morning when I wake. And it's basically about a man who's had indiscretions with his wife and is afraid to say anything. And, you know, that that metaphor of having stones in your mouth, like wanting to say something but feeling like you can't. Yeah. I was just like, oh, God, that's... Yeah that's that's made my heartache <laughs> um you know and and when and that's what springsteen's so brilliant at doing i think you mentioned the orchestral flourishes and bits and pieces like that and so mm-hmm. on and so forth um i think sometimes they're incredibly tastefully done they're always as you said expertly executed in that you know the the the, the production on this album is fucking incredible as you would expect because yeah. it's a fucking bruce springsteen it's record. another one that gives a lot i mean again i you know i don't want to be that guy who keeps going on about fucking buying expensive headphones or whatever. But I think if you do have the difference between listening to this, these are the albums where you, I think, you know, when you get these massive artists, that's when you really yeah. notice the difference in kind of quality and in it, clarity of sound and production. And It, it sounds from a purely technical produce, production point of view, it sounds glorious, mm. this album. Mm. Um, unfortunately for my money, 
sometimes when the orchestral swells and stuff come in it just becomes very very sappy yes and i I think the pinnacle of that is there goes my miracle probably yeah i didn't like that Uh, i didn't and 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 you know it only happens from time to time on the record but when springsteen makes me go "Ah," which isn't that often to be honest it's 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 so weird because again it's it's something that these sized um and aged artists tend to do like have a real kind of problem with this happening Mm. like you know these kind of old but huge rockers rock stars Mm. a lot of their latter-day material they tend to not be able to understand why you don't go so far down that sappier territory and i think that is a that is a massive problem for a lot of these artists or maybe they just leave it to the producers maybe maybe Maybe. they just go look just put some orchestral i mean i I don't know i'm not saying that would you think bruce springsteen would give up our control of his material i'd certainly like to think not but then also, you would like to think so on the on, on hearing it. You might yeah. go, well, hopefully. Did. Exactly. <laughs> and also, and, you know, it's, the guy's done 19 studio albums. <laughs> like, yeah. You're probably quite bored of the Bruce, process by now. Bruce Springsteen does not strike me as the sort of person who would do that. And I think actually, no, you're probably if right. you listen, if you if you watch the Defiant Ones, which I'm assuming you have watched the Defiant Ones, the, docu- the Netflix documentary about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. No, I have not. Which is probably the best music documentary ever made. Little little tip for you there. Um, I'm sure everyone, most people listening have probably seen it, but there is a bit where Jimmy Iovine is working with Bruce Springsteen and he's just cracking up, like not cracking up laughing, like he is literally having a fucking mental breakdown because <laughs> Bruce uh, Springsteen uh, is uh, like Springsteen going Ivy, over Ivy and is. over and over again. Jimmy Iovine's like, I can't do I can't, I can't do anymore, I can't do anymore. Oh, and Bruce Springsteen's enough. like you will work we will work until we i get exactly what i want um and that's like obviously back in the day but uh and he was only an engineer working on it at the time but he was like it's just it was it was painstaking working with bruce springsteen it was absolutely painstaking um so i don't believe that that's the case i i i i I don't, but I personally i find it very very difficult to believe that you know who whoever has produced this which is ron aniello who I've never heard of before. No, I'm going to cl- click on his Wikipedia page. He's probably massive, though. He, he has done Bruce Springsteen, Shania Twain, Gavin DeGraw. Oh, he's done a lot of Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Sixpence None the Richer. Um, he's done a lot of he's done a lot of country. He's stuff. country stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's from, well, he's from which is what you want for this record. Rock, pop, gospel, Christian country is what he's uh, sort of famous for. Okay. So it says here. I've not heard of him before. Maybe maybe Springsteen wouldn't do that, but the, uh, many of the sort of uh, aging rockers that you are referring to, I imagine, maybe. Yeah, would. possibly. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But overall, um, this is all right. I think it's okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, I I said earlier that uh, it's done very well critically. As I say, Springsteen never doesn't do well critically. Mm. Um, I think he often deserves that, and he is certainly. Uh, the, he's 69 we should we should say like bruce springsteen is 69 years old and and you know i already said earlier that four of his post-millennium albums i think are actually great which for someone of that heritage is is unusual i yeah. think um but it has a score of 84 out of 100 on metacritic with 20 
with 28 reviews and 27 of those 28 are basically positive um and uh you know i think this album is quite good yeah um but i think but, it's, when it's good it's really good i think when it's good it's really good absolutely and i mean I not think, really not amazingly amazing no i would say really good i would say at its best there are some songs there are three or four songs in here that are really good yeah there are eight or nine which are okay and there are a couple which i'm like nah yeah yeah um yeah pretty much which is a the six out of ten album five out of ten i would probably go as far as six to seven uh depending on what mood i was in (laughs) yeah depending on how happy i was i think a six is very generous because really okay it's this is you know five is average yeah five is the middle isn't it five is when you go that's good there are some on here that aren't good there are some in there that are really good. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that sits right in the middle. So I think the mean of that is yeah. is five, isn't it? That is the exact midpoint. Well, I suppose I guess five so. and a half is the exact midpoint. My maths is not great. But then there's also, there's also you know, room that you've got to make for like, if a song really touches you. Mm. And there are a couple on this album that really are. But then what if one really sucks? But th- there's nothing on this album that makes me sort of wretch yeah, yeah, in kind true. of... There's just bits on it where I'm like, oh, I wish you hadn't made that decision. Fair play, you made that decision, but that's not what I would have gone for. But to be honest with you, that mainly comes down to the fact that he was making an album heavily inspired by a genre of music, which I'm not particularly interested in. So should that be seen as a failing? He's actually succeeded in what he was trying to do. So Mm. so that's why I'm actually a bit more lenient on it. And I'm like, well you know you you he he said he wants to make a cowboy record he's done that yeah that is exactly what he's done and if the idea of springsteen with a little bit more country and western sprinkle in it appeals to you you'll fucking love this mm. i see no reason why you wouldn't um and i think it's all right you know it's pretty good and when when it's good it's really good but yeah uh i, I can't I can't unabashedly recommend it like like no. many of the papers have and stuff like that. No. There was a, actually there was a comment. So the, I went to the least positive review, which did give it a, a sort of fifty out of a hundred kind of mark. So yeah. it was like you know average. Um, and I feel this way, but I feel like it's been worded it for too harshly. But right. but I agree with the sentiment. So basically says the large scale orchestrations rarely complement the mood. Instead, they barge in in a river of syrup that drowns the sense of betrayal in stones, gushes through the wayfarer and inspires some of Springsteen's most egregious Gene Pitney style over emoting in sundown and the disastrously overdone There Goes My Miracle. I mean, I agree with some of that and I disagree with some of it as well. But but the overall sentiment of basically the orchestral flourishes come in and sort of drown everything in this kind of... almost Disney-fied version of Springsteen. It's not quite that, but you're looking at me like you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> oh, Mickey Love. What is egregious? Egregious, <laughs> egregious. He said egregious. And, uh, In I a just weird way, okay. thought yeah. of um, the League, League of Gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> and I was just waiting to do that impression, basically. <laughs> okay, sorry, um, but anyway, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, uh, I think... When it's net, when when they work, those bits are really good. But yeah, I don't know there's something about people of that age and that generation. They don't know when to stop, kind of sapping it and hamming it up. And it's a, it is a you know he is by you know 
very very far from being like the only the, the biggest kind of problem in that like there are oh, a lot you. of them oh, uh, but anyway western stars by bruce springsteen is out right fucking now what would you recommend who would you recommend oh fuck's sake who would i recommend it what? to what no what if people are not if people everyone knows who bruce springsteen is who's listening to this i fucking hope so but uh if people haven't gone in on his catalogue where would you recommend they start oh the river i think the river is amazing but the river's a double album oh who fucking cares it's brilliant <laughs> like the thing is it's great it's great it's, but very, it's a double album it's a double album but it's really really eclectic and i think it yeah. is probably it the reason why i would recommend the river is because it's because it is a double album i think you yeah. are getting a touch of everything that bruce springsteen does but you're getting it um of the very very highest quality i mean i suppose it's never quite it never it never goes to the same place as like born in the usa does it's never mm-hmm. kind of that shiny and stadiumy but i think it's just of the it's it's very very high quality. I also think the Ghost of Tom Jode is a really good album. It's as well, a great record, yeah. yeah which yeah. I know Rage Against the Machine covered, which is kind of. I bought my dad that for Christmas years and years and years. The Rage ago. Against the Machine cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he was like, oh, and he wanted it for No Shelter, which is the <laughs> the, uh, the B side. And um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I um, I just think the river's amazing. I think it's just a fucking amazing, amazing. It's a great record. record. I'm only, you know. What would you say? Born to Run. Um, I mean, that's most people would probably say "Born in the USA," but I don't think that that's well. Little fun fact: "Born in the USA" is my least favorite Bruce Springsteen album. Whatever, uh, of all the ones I've heard, it is. But it's because it's the '80s one. Yeah. It came out in 1984. You just yeah. said it. It's that. It's the shiny stadium. It's the shiny album. stadium rock album. And yeah. I. I understand why it was massive and I understand why Dance in the Dark is still constantly playing all the social shit. But, I, <laughs> but I, I, I actually loathe that album. I hate yeah. it. I would okay. rather listen to Western Stars than Born in the USA. Okay, um, but Born uh, to Run to kind of go at that, but, not, to, but, but with but, a bit more... But less shiny, yeah, which is why totally. I like it. I think that's... Um, actually, that would and, be... And to be quite, I didn't suggest Born to Run. <laughs> Thank you very no, much. No, no, I'm just saying that if, if people were like, I don't really know much about Bruce Springsteen, yeah. but I've heard Born in the USA and I'm like... Yeah. Um, I think Born to Run is a good start. I, yeah. I would. My favourite is uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Yeah, I was going to say that's that. not a bad, a bad shout either. Yeah, Darkness on the Edge of Town is a fucking amazing record. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, to be honest, if 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 you randomly picked a Springsteen album out, more than likely you'd get a good one because he's done way more good than bad. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah. This uh, and this one probably right. sits sort of somewhere in the middle. Oh, it's pro- wow, it's below. Middle. With his records, it's probably like 13th or 14th mm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, okay, well, there you go. Bruce Springsteen, Western Stars is out right now, which brings us on to our second and final album of the week already. Only Whoa. 35 minutes in. Um, Help a Stranger by the Raconteurs. This is the third studio album by the American Rock Supergroup. Yeah. Indie Rock Supergroup. Well, don't know. One of Jack White's many, of, many, many side it, projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot the Dead Weather even existed. I did, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot that as well. They've got like four records. I yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, this is their first album in 11 years. It's 11. I thought it was 10. There we go. 11 years, Renfrey. Yeah. Uh, I. What's Jack White been doing, eh? You're lazy Sitting on prick. his ass. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Here's the thing about Jack White. I remember hearing the White Stripes for the very, very first time. I remember seeing them at Reading Festival in 2002, 2001, 2002. Ah, okay. I saw them headline Reading Festival. Okay, I saw them play halfway down on 
just before Run DMC, oh, who were fucking terrible. And um, Run DMC, Run DMC were no. absolutely abysmal. I remember seeing the White Stripes on the main stage and thinking, bloody hell, this band are amazing. Mm. Well, I say this band are amazing. That guy yeah, is that guy, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's someone next to him sort of randomly hitting things. <laughs> and I thought if he had a proper band around him, God, imagine how great he'd be. And yet the irony is with the raconteurs is that actually he has got a very accomplished band around him on the raconteurs. And yet nothing they've ever done has even to me been as vaguely as interesting as the White Stripes. Uh, not as an album as a whole. I, you know, sorry to get all commercial on your ass here, but I steady do. Well, I think steady as she goes, if that song is being played in 50 years time as one of the greatest, most popular songs of the first decade of the millennium, then that's fine with me. Big hits, isn't it? It's great. It's uh, That's a great song. It's a good song. The album that it's from really falls off a cliff soon after it it's actually the first track on that album yeah. and it cannot keep it <laughs> falls off a cliff after the first song yeah, of yeah. your entire discography I, I, I don't think i don't think I, I don't think it's a terrible album it's called broken toy soldiers i yeah. think or something like that um i don't think it's terrible it's just i remember hearing steady as she goes and just basically rushing out and buying it and then being like oh okay um it's fine um I think that actually led me to not even bother with Consoles of the Lonely. If I yeah. have heard it, I don't recall listening I, to it. I haven't. I am the same as you. I listened to the first album with quite a lot of excitement because I was a big, big White Stripes fan around yeah. the kind of, well, the point where Elephant and Icky Thump and all that stuff yes. was coming out. Same. I was really massively same. into them. And uh, I thought, you know, those are those are brilliant, brilliant records. Yeah. White Blood Cells is a brilliant record. White Blood Cells is um, my favourite. He is fucking incredible i mean i think we may have spoken about again another documentary uh it might get loud the documentary with jack white the yep. edge from u2 and jimmy page yep. uh where the edge does a very good impression of david brent um uh, <laughs> and uh jack white is fucking fascinating throughout the entire yeah. thing yeah and you just see what a kind of brilliantly unique um mind he has for creating not just creating music but creating things that how he make he makes his own guitars and he makes his own little fucking amazing yeah like, the really, guy's a genius the guy's he's brilliant. incredible and i thought um when i was working at team rock radio his album uh lazaretto came out yes i mean the title track from that record is fucking spectacular and it was the first time i'd heard anything from him in a long time where i'd gone oh my lord that is absolutely amazing yeah um, his solo stuff's great. His solo stuff's really, really good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. And he's one of these artists who plays a totally different show every night. Yeah. Uh, he usually comes out with his band, whichever band it is that night, because even Jack White solo has a couple of different bands. Um, and they all know what the first song is going to be. And then after that, it's just whatever he feels like playing. And a bit like can, uh, Jeff Buckley. A bit like Jeff Buckley. And Hatebreed, who we'll talk about later on. Is that true? Yeah, that is true, yeah. Oh, well, fair. Um, you know so like like, i mean that is an incredible skill when Mm. you have a discography because he will pull things from white stripes dead weather like like his entire career and the band just know it it's fucking amazing um 
So are you saying that your expectations for this album were fairly middling? I'd say they never reached as high as middling, to be honest. Okay. I was not interested in this. At all. I had no... The only reason I even bothered with it is because I thought, well... They're a, good for the show. <laughs> they're a big band and yeah. we should review them. Um, I think my response to the Raconteurs releasing the album was like, oh, Raconteurs are back. Yeah. And that was about as excited as I got. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's because, you know... I don't care about the raconteurs particularly. Um, I do care about Jack White and I'd quite happily have Jack White go, I'm about to release another solo album. If this was a Jack White solo album, I'd go, oh, wicked. But for some reason, because I'm always like, yeah, yeah, don't know about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, I wasn't that fussed. Yeah. Uh, And I'm still not that fussed. Oh, are you not? To be perfectly honest. Yeah. I have to say... I'm quite pleasantly surprised. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, the first time I heard it, I listened to it the whole way through and I you remained relatively unfussed. Um, and I do think that it is hit and miss as a record, but I do think there's a lot more hits than misses. If we said that Western Stars had maybe four or five great songs or good songs on it and, you know, the rest were not so good, I would say, uh, how many tracks is this? this is a 12, 12 tracks. I'd say eight of them are really good and then there's a Ooh. few missteps I'd say so. uh, really good i this is a weird one right yeah for me to just jump in on that because there's nothing on this that i think is crap yep there's nothing on it that i think is great there's a few things on it i think are great okay i think the best song on it is don't bother me i like that don't bother me bother me oh that is a weird little fucking crazy sort of pop song i quite like it don't bother me is one of is the it your least favorite it's one of the few moments i don't think works on this record yeah oh really i like it. um i think so they but yeah it has this weird kind of queen inspired vocal yeah that runs throughout it and there are cool bits in it it goes into a wicked riff about a minute and a half in um but i don't know with the raconteurs it just doesn't i prefer the raconteurs when they're being a bit more garage rock not garage as in craig yeah. david Oxide and Neutrino featuring Jack <laughs> White. Oxide and Neutrino, fuck me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, uh, oh wow, that's your favourite. Okay, fair enough. My favourite yeah, song... Yeah, I just, well, because, uh, I don't know. It's I a mean, bit different from the others. It's different from the others. And I find a lot of that kind of modern uh, garage, you know, when... The good thing about the White Stripes is they were, you know, they weren't really... people. They, they, those garage rock bands of mm. the the sort of mid early to mid noughties when you look back at all of them most of them were rubbish weren't they let's be perfectly oh, God, honest most yeah. of them were fucking shit ter- were, were fucking terrible like you know the von bondies were terrible the vines the vines were crap and you know the hives are probably the only and hive, i think even necessarily think the hives stuck to being a garage band really like they they are mm. too fun and party you mm. know that i mean we talk about we just spoke about royal republic a lot royal republic mm. i wouldn't necessarily call it you know we were comparing them no. to Huey lewis in the news yeah, yeah, their yeah. Album. and i think they've got much more in common with the hives yeah. than um you know obviously the hives do have that garage rock swing to it but they're not the same as the datsons or jet do you know what i mean like jet that this kind of revivalist 70s blues or kind of like late 60s blues rock garage rock thing that was happening was I'm, just... I'm gonna put my neck on the line here though quickly and just say that i actually think that datsons are really fucking cool but 
first album I quite liked. Yeah, when I say that, I mean the first album's really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not that, really gone much beyond that. Album, I think Harmonic Generator is a good song. Harmonic Generator. Yeah, that's a good song. I mean, not doesn't you don't make it sound like one. But what are you is. talking about, oh, mate? That was good. Harmonic Generator. That's great. Probably more Closer. accurate. <laughs> and even that is not great. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I don't mind. I didn't. I didn't mind that first Datsuns album. But there are a lot of those bands who were most of just them were shit, basically. Bum, yeah, were they? Were a complete yeah. bum. And the good thing about the White Stripes was that they weren't really one of those bands. No, they were lumped in with them, but they really yeah. weren't. And they were nothing Especially like them live. at all. Yeah. Um, and then the Raconteurs came along, and I just thought, oh well, now you are one of those bands. Mm-hmm. And I do think the Raconteurs are much better than the majority of those bands that we just talked about. I th- maybe yeah probably when they're better than stuff like that yeah they probably are i mean i i I feel like that this record is so low i mean mean, it is quite low but i feel like this record is kind of the raconteurs ode to classic rock in a lot of ways there's Mm. a lot of like big classic rock riffs yeah and most of the time when they're doing that I, i do think most of the time it's really good um there are you know at its best it is is them these big fat riffs and these excellent verses being traded between Brendan and Jack White and stuff. I think at its worst, it's a little cluttered and unfiltered and a bit of a mess, which might be why I don't like that Don't Bother Me song, because it sounds like Queen vocals over a garage rock song. And I'm not sure if that, it obviously works for you, but it doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, But overall, like, so my favourite song on this album is Some Days I Don't Feel Like Trying, which is ballady, I guess um and just it just the way it starts is just oh it's, it's a fucking brilliant song and it ends with this refrain which is basically i'm here right now i'm not dead yet which goes over and over and over again for like a minute and a half two minutes and you know it really what? should get boring but it doesn't i don't even so this is i think this is the thing is like i'm looking at the track listing now and the only song that i can remember even how it goes is don't bother me really? i can't remember and i've listened to this album six times Right, okay. We were listening to it before we started recording. We, 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 were, we were, yeah. We listened to the whole thing before we even started recording. And I currently, I couldn't even tell you a single moment from it, which I think probably is half of my problem with this. Is mm-hmm. when it's on, I go, do, 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 do. And then it finishes and it evaporates from my mind. And the reason I said don't bother me is my favourite is because it's, Cause it sticks in your it's mind. literally the only one where I go, oh, okay. And I, listen, and I can remember it. Everything else... I can't even, I cannot even picture that, or I cannot in my mind recall what you've just been talking about. Mm. Okay. And that's a problem for me. And they, these are, <laughs> these are the hardest albums to review because I don't, I haven't, you know, I'm not listening to it going, oh, this is so bad. Like, do you know, when we listened to Clawfinger and it was like, remember, oh, it's so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. It's so bad that, it, you know, I could fucking sing you whole bits of the yeah. Collapse Lung album because yeah. it's, hilariously funny um and then if you get something brilliant then of course you're going to remember that but when this is just it just feels like oh yes this sounds like garage rock this sounds like sort of 70s rock i recognize jack's white jack white's voice i don't have i i i don't have anything to say about this album i think it's i think what elevates this above a lot of those bands that we were just saying though is just that injection of classic rock that's in it you know that there are some excellent riffs on this record like really good riffs 
Um, I mean, I'm, you could tell me that and I wouldn't be able to, you, you, you're literally, you You can tell me, oh, I've got the fucking great riff on Live a Lie and I'd go, oh, okay, that's it. Yeah. And I, but I don't know what that sounds like. Yeah, I can't yeah. I can't even tell you whether or not I agree with you because I yeah. genuinely don't know what this record sounds like and I've listened to it six times. Yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not sitting here going it's the best thing since sliced bread, but I do. I good do. Album, good great album. Um <laughs> of the two Raconteurs albums I've heard, I do think it's the best one. <laughs> Again, uh, like you can I can me. remember two fucking songs from the entire Raconteurs yeah, back catalog. Yeah, yeah. The one that you've talked about and don't bother me. I do find them. I do. I do understand what you're saying in terms of finding them a little bit forgettable. Mm. I don't know if that's always a bad thing. I suppose with what they do, it's not like they're writing really complicated symphonies. Maybe it's not so good. But I don't know. I I enjoy this I, record when it's on. And let me put it another way to you, Renfrey. You are not going to like this. Oh, you are not going to like oh, this. Good. In comparison with the Dinosaur Pileup album. Oh yeah. Which is in your head halfway through the first listen. Yep. It goes, ping, I ain't going anywhere. I bet you can still remember pretty much every chorus from that Dinosaur Pile Up Yeah, album. more or less, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? And yet, you know, you said, oh, it reveals everything too quickly and da 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 This is not artistically interesting. And if it, well, if it is, then it's not shown itself to me in, at all over six listens. You've closed your eye there. Trust me, like something would if it was something would jump jump out at you surely it's also not interesting enough it's not but it's not bad enough for you to go oh my god what are they doing yeah but it's also not interesting enough for you to remember anything about it so when you slag off a record like the dinosaur pileup album you know go, oh, that's really easy this is proof that that shit is not that easy because although they are obviously very very different bands mm. dinosaur pileup are a rock band raconteurs are a rock band one of them has written an album with choruses that you just cannot forget the other one has written an album that just evaporates from your brain the second it finishes well, maybe that's not what the raconteurs are going for. bollocks i don't know bollocks absolute bollocks I the raconteurs I... or you say oh what, what are they a prog band are they Come no no on. no i'm just saying that like not everyone is there to try and write these big pop hooks well they are I mean, to a degree. Th- maybe? These are rock. These are really, really straightforward rock songs. I can. Th- I do know that they are relatively. Yeah, I. I don't think. I don't think they're as straightforward as the dinosaur pileup songs. Well, they're not as good as what they are. Straightforward or not, they're not. They're not doing their job. I think it's a. I, I think it's an odd comparison, to be honest. I, I think it think is it an is. odd comparison. I don't think it is an odd comparison. I think it, the the comparison is 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 basically, you know. This is not her name is Calla. No. Right? This is not Porcupine Tree. This no. is not at all. This is not even the White Stripes. Right? Uh in terms of simplicity of songs? Well, okay. I think the White Stripes are simpler than Raconteurs. Mm, I think it depends what era of the White Stripes you go mm, to. Maybe. I you're think right. if you yeah, get yeah, later yeah. on into the yeah. white the later on you go into the White Stripes career, yeah. then you can't say those songs are simple. No. Early but, on, yeah. But, but, but that first record, those are yeah. simple songs. But yeah, but Wait, the, how right fucking mem- how memorable. Everybody yeah. everybody heard um, you're pretty good looking for a girl yeah everybody heard fell in love with a girl and was straight away yeah. was like oh yeah. yeah that song's in my head now yeah like yeah. everyone yeah. hears that's the yeah. fucking football chant yeah. at this point yeah. you know they are <clears throat> really really super duper catchy and they're not particular yeah you know like the early on the white stripes were one guitar one drum one yeah. voice that's yeah. pretty much yeah. it you know but those songs are really really memorable and if you are going to do something really really simple 
um, then it needs to be memorable. If you're going to do something really, really involving and difficult and not instantly memorable in the same way, the first time I listened to her name was Calor, I was like, okay, like the first time you listen to Lateralis, you don't, get, you know, obviously not, that's a big jump, but yeah, um, yeah, from, yeah. from the raconteurs that is anyway. Uh, not such a big jump from her name is Calor, incidentally. <sighs> um, but I think when, you know, if you're a band like the raconteurs who are just a fucking rock band, that's all they are. They're just a rock band. They're not in, They're not doing anything new. They're not musically interesting. They're doing garage rock. They're doing kind of blues rock. They're doing 70s rock. Fine. I ain't got no problem with that. I think that's cool. If bands can do that, Airborne do that. I love them. Like um, with Royal Republic, I've been doing that for four or five albums. Like, you know, Royal Republic aren't, you wouldn't sit there going, hmm, well, what an interesting composition of the Royal Republic. Like, no, <laughs> you just want to fucking throw a beer over yourself and, you know, and, and dance. But I prefer, on- I mean, I prefer this to the last Royal Republic album. You prefer this to the last Royal the, the, that we reviewed the other week? Yeah. What, the fucking 80s dance party one? Yeah. Uh, I, don't I, think I, don't a, I don't think there's a lot in it at all. I think they're very, very, very close. But I think I, I slightly prefer this one, I reckon. Okay, I mean, I just... Steve looks like he's going to punch me. No, I don't know. I, don't, I, just, I just don't know what there is to like. Um, I don't know. It's, I like it. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what it is about. This, to me, is it's as bland as guitar music comes. Oh, come on. It's like Disturbed or something. This isn't Ed Sheeran. I, I wouldn't... Well, one, I wouldn't consider Ed Sheeran guitar music. Ed Sheeran is not a rock band. Ed, Ed, Ed Sheeran... It's guitar music. I'm not saying it's a rock band, but Ed Sheeran's guitar okay. music... <laughs> all right well I, I said rock music didn't i or did i say you said guitar music okay but I, it, I don't know is ed sheeran oh, i'm not gonna have a fucking discussion about whether ed sheeran is guitar music or not like some of it is yes yeah some of ed sheeran is guitar music yeah. um but you know for for garage rock is supposed yeah. to be vibrant and exciting and scuzzy and, scuzzy and, and all those things and i just i got I, I mean, like I say, I can't remember anything about this record. If you put it on now, I'd go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that bit. Oh, yeah, I remember that bit. But it's not it's not exciting. It's not vibrant. It's not, it's just, it's kind of just nothing, I think, this record. I, I, I... It's weird because I thought, thought I liked this more than I liked the Springsteen album I spoke to the other day. Mm, First yeah. listen, I was like, oh, yeah, and I thought, oh, this will be good. And then I couldn't remember it. I was like, oh, I better put it on again. Put it on again. I put it on a whole bunch of times. And the second it finishes, I go... And I just realised that I was like, nothing's going on here. Nothing's doing anything for me. Oh, I don't. I, I. I don't think there's nothing going on. I think there are interesting things that happen. I think if, if like going back to that song, um, some days I don't feel like trying. If you play the first thirty seconds and the last thirty seconds, it has completely changed. You know, and there's a few moments like that throughout the record, and when some of these riffs are really fucking fat and really big no i can't sing any of them to you because uh, i can't remember them but you know so, so oh, them, yeah but yeah no, but i don't disagree entirely with everything you're saying i don't yeah. you know I, I i'm not saying this is the most memorable records ever uh, i don't even think it's an amazing album or anything like that i think it's quite good i bet you can remember a bunch of stuff from the royal republic album as well uh I bet you can remember that one that sounds like fucking Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah, yeah but, the, but this goes back to my point I made a couple of weeks ago. Just because something is memorable does not mean it is good or better than something else. I think in this instance, it does. It, uh, that, that, that's, that's, I think uh, in this particular instance, mm. I actually think it does. Well, that's that's your opinion and that's fine. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think that is a blanket 
Um, no, I don't no, think that's a blanket no, no, thing that no. should be put across. I wouldn't say to somebody, oh, listen to Back in Black and then listen to fucking Introducing by DJ Shadow mm. and then hum both of them back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whichever one exactly. you can hum back to me is the best one. I don't think that. Yeah. But then at the same time, I do think if you're a garage, if you're a garage rock band, you want to have some hooks. You've got to have something that is a, like at least exciting. Do you know what I mean? I and, think this record, I, I don't think it's the most exciting thing ever, but the manner in which you're talking about it being unexciting, I don't think it's as unexciting I, I, as you're I, making out. Well, it. only because I genuinely can't remember any of a single fucking solitary second of it, apart from mm. don't bother me, bother me. That's the only thing that is stuck in my, that's stuck from this entire record. And that's why I think it's the best song because like, at least it kind of, at least it does something. I think a lot of this is very just like, okay, Mm. fine. All right. It's it's nice when it's on in the background, but you know, I just, I don't want something that just sounds nice when it's on in the background, really. But most people do. Most people do. And that's why these bands have got really big. It will sell by the shitload. It probably will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I bet, you know, I bet if you played Dinosaur Pile Up to those same people, yeah. half of them would would absolutely love it and half of them would be in, infuriated by yeah, it. Yeah, probably. And I think that, that makes it a much sort of more interesting record probably. Than, than this kind of like one kind of, not even one note, because I don't think it's one, one pace or one note, no. but I think it's of a... It just sort of happens and then it stops. Do you know what I do agree with you with? I do agree that this is a nice record to have in the background, which isn't the most, uh, it's not the most complimentary thing to say in the world, is it? No. However, sometimes even you or I do, you know, most of the time I think if we can, we try to listen to music and actually concentrate on it. But sometimes you do just need something for the background. And in terms of those background records, I would rather the raconteurs than a lot of other bands doing this kind of thing, or a lot of other bands who used to do this kind of thing. Cause there aren't loads of them nowadays. Yeah. Um, and hence I quite Finch. like it think jack white's better than this do you know what i mean i do agree with that i don't think this is the pinnacle of jack white yeah. and what he can do and i think the jack white solo albums kind of show that mm-hmm. but you know basically i suppose it was much much better than i expected it to be and hence i was very pleasantly surprised and generally thought it was okay it pretty good Okay, well, there you go. Dissenting voices between the two of us. It's, uh, hardly, it's hardly the biggest like disagreement we've had, no, is it? It's true. <laughs> like, by no, a no, long no, way. No, no. Um, but it's out right now. It is uh, by the raconteurs. It's called Help a Stranger. It's out right now. Right, now, before we... It's out right now. Right now, <laughs> I should say. Um, before we go to trade-off, which will be fucking pretty bleak this week, we're going to go... Uh, kind of chrono- chronologically around the world uh, anti-chronologically yeah, around the world with our live reviews this week um at starting in london, london town uh renfrey <laughs> last london. night you went against the cult leader and birds in row two yes. bands who we have been very very vocally keen on over yes. the last um 11 months yeah so uh how was it that was excellent mm-hmm. uh 
incredible, very, very heavy bill. I also saw Coil Guns, so I'm going to talk about Coil Guns uh, yes. very briefly. I am familiar with this band. You have recommended their EP, I believe. I reckon I, maybe I, I saw them. I saw them supporting someone. Uh, it might have been Oathbreaker. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what? That does sound familiar, actually. Mm. I and they were very excellent. I heard the EP and I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I get this. And then watching them live, I realised that I definitely didn't get it because <laughs> um, it wasn't what I thought it was at all. Um, it's almost like if you can imagine Andy Kaufman like fronting a post black and hardcore band, it's quite weird. It's a lot weirder and a lot more avant-garde than I uh, mm. than I realised. Kind of like I've, I've reviewed this for Hammer and I've kind of basically compared them to picasso in in that like it's quite abstract what they're doing um and i think listening to the ep on its own i didn't really quite get that um but no now, I, I i don't think you would but no like, certainly yeah the live show, i remember being really impressed by the live show and then not so much by the recording yeah but now that i can see that i'm like oh, okay this is far more interesting than i realized it was um after half an hour i still hadn't really come to an opinion as to whether i enjoyed the show or not which actually makes me even more intrigued about them mm. because obviously that being my job to decide if i like things or not uh and one when when one can't do that when one is a professional at such things uh it's it, it's it's intriguing you know so it's really interesting so i was like yeah I'm, I'm impressed i don't really know but yeah i don't did you enjoy them live when you saw them? yeah i did yeah i did i thought it was just you know i like chaos yeah, and I definitely think very, they were very good. chaotic. Yeah, I, I I feel like the more I see them, the more I like them. So, but I was very impressed. Um, Bird and Birds and Ray were just fucking outrageous. Um, trio from France, if you don't know them, I think the authenticity that comes across with them is just so acerbic and so it feels so genuine and so real. There was one point where the um, vocalist and guitarist was just thanking the crowd for being there and like saying that you know there must be a million things you could do on a monday night in london which would be better than this and the way the crowd reacted was basically like fucking bollocks you know like it was quite a passionate response yeah. to that um they uh they, they kind to me they they make a hell of a racket for a trio and they kind of sound like a mix of converges aggression with the more kind of avant-garde clatter of fugazi mm. and if that sounds appealing to you and you haven't checked this band out you really should yeah. um and they're incredibly uh, do you remember when we reviewed the record and i was like yeah it's good i think i'll like it more the more i listen to it mm -hmm. i have now got to the point where i was like i totally underestimated that i totally underestimated undersold that record on our review you were basically like it's fucking amazing yeah it's brilliant and i i needed a few more listens with it and another month with it or something but yeah it is fucking fantastic um and all their stuff is actually um they were just brilliant and i was a little bit concerned for cult leader not that i'd ever seen cult leader before this is my first time seeing them but i was like oh i hope they live up to that my god did they live up to it um cult leader's vocalist what's his name anthony lucero the you know that stuff that he does on record where he has the most hideous scream it's yeah, like yeah. oh my god it sounds like it like plates in the earth's crust are moving when he screams and then 
there's songs where he does clean singing and it sounds like oh well it, it's it, he's got the most deep resonant bassy voice like a sort of tom waits kind of thing or maybe even a lanigan kind of thing i actually said in my hammer review you know one moment he's a de- demented bannon and the next he's a crooning lanigan you know mm. and the fact that he is a on record i couldn't quite believe it was the same guy doing it i knew it was because that's what the credits said but i didn't quite believe it and now i've seen it with my own eyes and the guy's fucking amazing yeah um but you know the band behind him are ferocious as well and they can go through lots of different um moods and i mean there's parts that sounded almost post-rocky last night i Mm. thought which wasn't really what i expected from record but like yeah when when they get like quieter and uh i think the title track particularly of the new album patient man for example has these really long expansive post-rock passages and then there's parts when they sound like a grindcore band there's a lot of bordering on extreme extreme metal i i would i think they're an extreme now i i think they've yeah. done enough yeah, yeah they, are actually, they do yeah. enough stuff on there to, to but, be pushed but, into but that. not in that but when okay so when people say extreme metal you're immediately your thoughts go morbid angel yeah sure dark sure, sure. do you know what i mean so and they're, they're not, not like, like that. that yeah yeah but yeah i get it completely yeah. Yeah. yeah um they were incredible um and i cannot wait to see them again i mm. thought they were absolutely amazing it felt like a real fucking treat seeing them great um yeah they were brilliant do you want to do hate breed now or? i do want to do hate breed now so okay. i went to see hate breed celebrate 25 years of being a band a quarter of a century <laughs> of hate breed it's pretty impressive when you consider you know like much in the same way as bands that i love like ramones um motorhead acdc uh, have kind of found a lane, found a formula and stuck resolutely to it mm. while still writing brilliant, you know, that whole thing of you only, I know you're a big advocate of the, uh, you only need one album by all of those bands. I don't, I'll happily have. Oh, a, I don't know if I've said that specifically, but. You, oh, well, but okay. That's what people, yeah. it's usually the kind of, the common complaint for those bands is, well, you only really need one album. You only need the first, you only need Ace of Spades. You only need Back in Black or Highway to Hell, you yeah. Know, like, which I think is—I don't think I would say that, but yeah, nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But um, but Hatebreed are, you know, possibly one of those bands. You could say that about they Hatebreed, are one actually. Of those bands. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> they are, they one, are one, one of those bands where they—they um, they have their formula, they stick to it, and yeah, they're very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they do live as well. To be fair, you know, they do stick pretty resolutely live to um where things come in the set. I've mm-hmm. noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although they have a different set every night. Oh, they have a different set every night. Yes, they do. Um, so but how does that work then? If they stick resolutely to where well, things are? Well, I've never seen them, for example, I've never seen them not end with I Will Be Heard. Okay. I see. Okay. Yeah. So there are certain set staples, but then at the same time, they do mix it up every single night. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, they, Jamie will call out what song they're going to do yeah. based on, you know, uh, how he's feeling. Yeah. And it will, you know, uh, stuff like destroy everything may come earlier in the set it may come later and say so they, they yeah. move it around a lot but obviously with it being hate breed there's always going to be stuff that you will definitely hear yeah so to you be, will to, definitely hear to, to be fair pearl jam play different set every night but you know rocking the free world is only ever going to be played last yeah as yeah. is um yellow lead better blah 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 so mm-hmm. yeah that's fair enough 
So um, I do love seeing Hatebreed and they're kind of reliably head-noddingly brilliant life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That Jamie Jaster has got so much fucking positive energy just mm-hmm. oozing out of him all the time. PMA. The band are super tight. Um, I mean, if you've seen Hatebreed before, you probably already know what you're going to get. And when Jamie said like, oh, we're going to pull out some deep cuts tonight. And they did do um, a few things from Satisfaction is a Death of Desire and from the Under the Knife EP. So that's going back to kind of 1997. That's going back way, 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 way back, um, which was cool. Um, uh, he also said, you know, it's pretty amazing that they've got this deep into their career and their most successful song is a song on their new album, which, you know. Is it? I think, yeah, but like I'm just actually getting the stats up right now. Looking down the barrel of today has got nearly 8 million more listens than Destroy Everything, which is their second most popular song. Wow. Which is That's cool. fucking amazing. You know, like to, I know that album came out two, three years ago, Concrete yeah, Confessional, still, but that's really wicked. And yeah. he said like, we never would have thought that our most popular song would be out, you know, would, would be now. And that's the one we'd, and, and you know, he threw that in kind of, the sort of the start of the third act of the set really um just did a you know a reliably brilliant live band and they don't seem to age they don't seem to slow down i think i said it before i said it about sick of it all i've probably said it about um various hardcore bands is that there's something about that scene where those people just go and go and Mm. go and go and go and they don't seem to slow down they don't seem to mad born sick of it all be the two that i'm always like you literally don't haven't stopped you moving exactly the same way as you did 20 years ago it's mental and i think hate breeder another one of those bands so i wouldn't bet against me doing this review on their 50th anniversary tour <laughs> uh, or their 50th <laughs> celebration tour it won't be an anniversary um what venue, yeah, they what were, venue were they playing they were playing the electric ballroom in Camden, oh. which you know it was a kind of i think they cancelled some dates and this was a, a made you know kind of uh, a last minute kind of addition. Jamie said like, I know it's been downloaded. I know Metallica have been town. I know there's been a lot of shit going on recently, but thank you for coming out. The bar upstairs was closed, uh, which is a bit of a shame, you shame. know, because normally you would imagine a band like Hatebreed could fill yeah. the electric ballroom yeah. and especially on the kind of a celebratory run. But yeah, exactly. they're here a lot, you know. They are. They're, they're one of those bands. I mean, I think if anything, you know, the fact, again, that I'm struggling really to find anything that much to say about it is if you've seen Hatebreed you know exactly what it is you're going to get and you've got that again and if you love that band then there's you know there's no real reason why if you're a fan of that type of music why you wouldn't love that band because they give you that thing that you love every single time without fail and uh but you know maybe they could take he said it's going to be a while before we're back and I think you know it's always good to probably not a bad thing to fuck off yeah 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 yeah, yeah, and make people miss you so you know uh, that's why why I wasn't here last week (laughs) it's not true Uh, I was going to say um, maybe I'll bloody go away next week (laughs) Uh, but then Renfrey uh, from London to Prague to the no 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 Uh, it was was actually oh god where was it Ostrava in the Czech Republic uh, which is a city that Banik Ostrava for those of you listening who like football you'll probably know Banik Ostrava for uh, I think they played Manchester United in the Cup Winners Cup once okay well a friend of mine is from the Czech Republic and I told her where I was going and she said she'd never heard of it so so, um, it did have a little I mean we didn't really go into the city itself it did have a little bit of a feeling of uh, 
being a small city, shall we right. say. Um, but uh, I went up with the Haggard Cat Boys, who were supporting uh, Dead Kennedys yeah. in this lovely venue called Brick House, which is basically like, I think it used to be on an old like coal mine. Mm. It was fucking fascinating. The typical kind of European venue. Like I could not imagine that venue in the UK. Right. And, and I don't, it's difficult to describe what I mean by that unless you've been to European venues. But it was, yeah, bonkers. Also, six euros for four pints. Yes, please. Um, six euros for four pints? Yep. Fucking hell. Yep. I was in heaven, mate. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. Um, they're, they're not even meant to, they actually have the Czech Krona over there as well. Right. So, but uh, none of My us. My Krona or? Not your, not your Krona, okay. no jesus christ um but none of us have been uh clever enough to to get check kroner out so they thankfully took our euros and uh yeah she was like six euros i was like oh no i'm paying for all four and she said yes six euros i was like i love you (laughs) six euros is how much you reckon it's about i mean we're it's almost we're almost the same as the pound now so but so it's probably like five pounds sixty five pounds sixty so less than about the same, probably less than the the price of an of a pint of beer in London for one pint of beer for four. I'd say the same, but yeah, About the same, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd go, probably go to more high class places. Than <laughs> let's be honest. I'll go anywhere that serves me. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, uh, so you know, and lovely beer as well, the old Czech beer. But I'm not reviewing that. Um, Fuck it, sounds like you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, Haggard Cat, I feel like. I just come on this podcast and go, yeah, they were brilliant and they keep being more brilliant. But that's that's the case, annoyingly. Mm. Um, not annoyingly, because they're fantastic. Um, they are an excellent, excellent live band. And I think their material uh, shows them off incredibly well live. Mm. But I think there's an interesting thing with Haggard Cat in that like a lot of people like them and have a lot of time for them, but there is this feeling that funnily enough, you know, their old band heck as well. We used to have where people are like, Oh, they're really, really great live, but I don't really listen to them all that much on record. I think is something which, you know, mm-hmm. a bit of a bugbear. Um, I've been given permission to say this because I was in a van with them for 18 hours mm. driving back from the Czech Republic. Don't recommend that. Um, I listened to their new album. Yeah. And I think it's going to change people's minds about Haggard Cat because it's a far more albumy album. I, I I don't want to say too much because like with this we're talking about a record which I don't think is even out till next year. Well, you meant but, to be reviewing them live. <laughs> well, live they're always fantastic because they <laughs> okay, have right. these big massive fuck off riffs from that Challenger record yeah. and from Charger which just it's very difficult to not make your you know your head go and like i think they started off with maybe 20 maybe 30 people in the room and by the end of the half an hour there were two to three hundred i would say wow um you know it's definitely one of those things where your ears prick up and you're like oh that sounds really intriguing and you sort of go over there and you know it's just two guys and and they were absolutely fantastic by far the most punk rock band in that room that evening which is a shame isn't it because the dead kennedys the dead kennedys were um headlining steve as resident punk expert uh-huh tell me why the dead kennedys are so influential and so important because they are 
one of the most um, uh, difficult to categorize bands in certainly of the early US punk scene, sort of sitting somewhere in between hardcore, sitting in between hardcore and punk, essentially mm-hmm. being kind of part of punk band, part of hardcore band, um, predating not everyone, because I think the kind of Bad Brains got there just before, and I think the Misfits were a band around that time as well, but they were certainly, you know, for that kind of San Francisco um, early sort of uh underground diy circuit they're one of the kind of pioneers of that one of the first bands yeah. that they were a band who kind of toured around the country and inspired a lot of other people to start up their own scenes which then went on to become you know like the kind of the underground network of uh the u.s punk scene um and they you know very, very. I always kind of liken Jello Biafra almost to a sort of um, uh, an American version of John Lydon. I think he's really yeah. acerbic, super sarcastic. Got a really weird voice. Got a, yeah. uh, just a sort of inbuilt inability to play the game in any way whatsoever. Yes, yes. and my God, yes, yeah. that kind of and a, and a really, really unusual voice as well. And that kind of melding that with these weird songs. Um, Big influence on not just punk rock, but kind of Faith No More and System of a Down so as well. So tanking, yeah, yeah. says a lot about. So uh, just one of the one of the most important bands in the history of alternative culture. Yep. I think I agree with all of that. Um, I think Jello Biafra is. I think they were very different to a lot of those punk bands at the time, but mm-hmm. Jello Biafra is the element that made them feel really different. Yeah, and obviously most people listening to this will know that Jello Biafra. Uh, isn't in the band and hasn't been in the band for since the time. late 90s for a long no no shit since like mid mid 80s isn't it yeah. like a long fucking time since basically the, they had a lawsuit yeah, uh, yeah that basically completely financially crippled the band and uh and made, led them to them breaking up yeah breaking up in inverted commas and never well they did back. For, for, 15 for a long years time yeah so. they were yeah, gone yeah, for a yeah. long 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 time now but they're it, back but it is sort of. well they've been they've been back for a while um mm. and it is um two original members plus uh dh has been in the band since 1980 i believe so we are you know to all intents and purposes it's basically three original members and then the vocalist is different i think the difficult thing is is we've discussed bands trying to replace a very iconic frontman in yeah. the past um and i think the conclusion that we come to most of the time is if you're trying to replace someone extraordinarily iconic, do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vocalist Skip, uh, it feels like to me he's trying to do an impression of Jello Biafra. And I think it's very, very easy to make Jello Biafra seem incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. basically. Um, there was a lot of very odd stage patter, which. Um, it was confirmed to me it was all uh preordained preordained <laughs> um and like and stuff which like doesn't work um they have a song about mp3s or something i don't know what it, i don't know but basically there was this point where he was like um i think i think uh, everyone needs to get off of social media their facebook their instagram their myspace uh stuff like this like naming old social media stuff and he's saying this to a crowd who predominantly don't speak english so most people there are just standing there going what's going on um or shouting in czech 
mm. play a song. Uh, there was one point when he was saying, oh, towards the end of a song, he he starts faking fatigue and kind of going, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I think I'm too old to finish this song. I think I'm too old to be punk rock. Or maybe you're too old to be punk rock. Uh, and clearly done there. Uh, and clearly the, the point you know the audience are meant to go fuck no yeah we want the rest of the song but because most of the audience didn't speak english they just stared blankly at him <laughs> and it's just it was just it was weird it was like watching a comedian failing uh, uh dying sorry mm. it was like watching a comedian dying over and over again i was just like why just play the songs mate um those songs many of them are fucking amazing too drunk to fuck mm. uh, uh let's lynch the landlord mm. uh i'm presumably they played california california ballets you know fucking brilliant songs and every single time they went into one i did have a little jolt of adrenaline because they are fucking brilliant songs yeah. but to all intents and purposes and i do appreciate that three members of the band were in the band when they did fresh fruit and rotting vegetables and all yep. that but to all intents and purposes it just feels like a karaoke act to me you know <laughs> basically um there's not much kind of it is exactly what it sounds like it's mid 60s year old men playing punk rock music and you know actually quite good punk rock music yeah um but um it's difficult to truly recommend it unless you're happy to just turn up and see a band playing dead kennedy songs but without a very important component um i mean yeah. they're playing in the czech republic in a city off the beaten track they're not even playing prague in a venue which i i, I haven't looked this up but i guesstimate it fits 500 people and it wasn't sold out shame that i'm tempted to say serves you fucking right because what, yeah, no, not you, you idiot. Oh, I was only out for a laugh. Um, it, it, about the Dead Kennedys, it, I'm tempted to say serves you right for basically shamelessly cashing in on your your very, very brilliant legacy. I believe what happened is the three of them got together and went, we want to do this again, went to Jello by Afro and he was like, not on your Nelly. So they decided to do it themselves. I, to be fair. Don't they call have, it the fucking Dead Kennedys then. Well, they, I was about to say they have every right to play those songs, which I presume, you know, East Bay Ray wrote a lot yeah. of stuff, didn't he? You know? Yeah, yeah. They have every right to do that. And there there are bands who, I mean, you know, one of my favourite bands are Guns N' Roses. So I really can't talk in terms of, you know, going, oh, you're not allowed unless it's the original band members. I've mm. seen Guns N' Roses, well, Axel and Friends four but times live. Who the, I, think, I think a lot of it depends on who... You want to know, sorry to be like that guy, but you want to know where your fucking bread is buttered. Yeah. And with your, the Dead Kennedys, you are so... the not the only reason, but such a massive reason about why anyone gives a fuck about you is Jello by Africa. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to cunt him off like they obviously have, and he's got no, you know, he's they've had, a, they do not have a very good relationship. Those those people. Like, I, th- I think he's cunted them off more than they've, they've cunted him I'm, off. I'm not sure from what I've read. I mean, okay. listen, I'm reading what Jello says, so I have no idea. Well, he looks like an unusual, uh, sort of unreliable. He could be a fairly unreliable witness, I guess, because he's mental. But at the same time, you know, he's going. I don't think we should do the Dead Kennedys anymore. 
Mm. I don't think that should, I, th- it happened and we fucking had a really big, big falling out. Mm. Uh, you know, it crippled me. I think just fucking leave it as it is. Mm. And they're going, nah, 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 nah. And I do think, you know, it's like when the, when the Misfits were touring with Michael Graves and people were going, no, no Danzig, no, no Danzig, no Dice sort of thing. Mm. I could kind of, like, Michael Graves brought his own thing to it which yeah. I think helped. But you could see why people would be sceptical of the yeah. Misfits. You yeah. could absolutely see why. Um, kind of deservedly so, and particularly when he left, and it, you know, when it ended up being Jerry only on bass, it was like, mate, give it up. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, man. I, like, can't, I, think heart, I, I can't heart on say... Uh, hand on heart say that this is an exciting thing to go and see. And like, you know, like I said, it is... Uh, uh, four men in their you know 50s 60s playing punk rock music yeah. and if that sounds exciting to you then interesting idea of excitement but um it you know it's not i think even at this point even if the original dead kennedy's got back together the original i don't think it'd be exciting i i don't think i don't think people would care that much no and I don't think it'd be that exciting. I mean, I think people, there would obviously be people who be, would lose their shit. They'd be but the younger selling more than 500 tickets. Yeah, the, uh, sort yeah. Of, the sort of people that would be like excited by, the, you know, like who have been excited by the Misfits reunite. Yeah. yeah. Are not going to feel the same way about a reunited Dead Kennedys, which is a shame. No. Because I actually think the Dead Kennedys have a better back catalogue than the Misfits. I agree, actually. Yeah, I agree um but you know it is what it is and yeah it's it's not exciting yeah okay. um, um do you want to move on to uh metallica metallica yes i do metallica played twickenham stadium uh, so we moved from uh london to london to uh, no london to czech republic to... well no hold on Coley was in london london yeah London. Oh, sorry, oh no, it's just about you, isn't it, Renfrew? Yeah, oh, as long me. as you were moving around. <laughs> so London to London to the Czech Republic to wherever the fuck Twickenham is. Because it ain't oh. in London and I don't know where it is. Oh, it's somewhere. Technically is. But yeah, it's is it's, it? it's very far out. That's in London. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. No, it isn't in London. I, my mate used to live in... So my mate moved to Essex. He moved to um, Gr- like Greys in Essex. And he went, oh, I'm moving to London. I went, where are you moving to? He's like, yeah, Greys. I was like, that's not London. If it's, in, if in it's London? inside the M25, it's London. That's not London. <laughs> right, okay. This isn't going to be interesting, so okay. <laughs> I think we should drop it. Maybe we can have this later. Yeah, fair <laughs> but, enough. But, anyway, like, if it's Metallica within... played just outside of London at Twickenham <laughs> Stadium. Uh, they played in a place which is a bitch to get to. Let's yeah, put it like that. it's a fucking pain in yeah. the ass. Um, going back, I got on a train which stopped at everyone on the train's house pretty much just stopped just dropped everyone off individually i was like this is some sort of weird taxi service this goes about three meters and then stops again every like two seconds um but anyway that's not here nor there i, I got in as did you in time to see bocassa opening we yes. spoke a couple of weeks ago about how bocassa would go down we got to see it for ourselves i have to say renfrey i thought they did very well for i think they did very well considering it's a it's quarter past five well yeah they yeah they did come should have still been five, at work they? yeah 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 it, it's i think it's a poisoned chalice well no supporting metallica is a tough gig well to say the least Mm. um the amount of people who i have seen play great bands i've seen play some play supporting metallica and people just not give a fuck and yeah i think they did very well considering that um the sound was very airy wasn't it because it hadn't really was a little bit yeah it was a little bit i reckon they were playing to a quarter full twickenham stadium yeah 
which doesn't sound like a lot, but actually, you know, it's probably, probably about 20,000 20, people. people yeah. yeah, so, you know, they were playing to a lot of people and it's almost certainly worth them doing it because mm. they are, you know, the Norwegian punk band on their second album. I mean, yeah. not many people were talking about them until now. Um, and I, yeah, I thought they were good. I thought it was an entertaining half an hour. It was, yeah. And I, do you know what I liked about it as well? What I particularly liked about it was the singer um, did a little bit where he said he was, uh, and he wasn't, that funny really i mean i don't think he's going to get on live at the apollo but um you don't have to be funny to get on live at no apollo, no you so. don't really do um uh, but um he did a bit where he said he'd been possessed by a chimney sweep and it was kind of like i just went oh that was weird and then he sort of went oh hello we we have Bo Cassa's albums out tomorrow and i thought you got some balls to go <laughs> to out do that. Of the metallica's <laughs> audience as an unknown three-piece norwegian punk band and pretend to be the ghost of a chim- small London <laughs> chimney sweep from the Victorian age. That is really, really ballsy yeah. and really, really cool. And even though, like, I did go, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I did. As soon as he said it, I was like, I sort of went, oh. And then I went, no, actually, no, not oh, good, yeah. good, good that you are not phased by the fact that these people, like, some bands would be massively intimidated. And we were, when we were talking about Heart of a Coward a couple of weeks ago, and you were like, those front, front men that it would be really easy to go out and go, Twickenham. Yeah. Put your fucking hands in the exactly. air. Like, yeah. Bang your fucking head. And he didn't yeah. do that. So I thought that was really yes, cool. Yes, that's absolutely true. That's mm. absolutely true. Uh, I still think they're, you know, just a bunch of great riffs rather than a bunch of great songs. Yeah, yeah, me too. But, but they are great riffs. They are good. They are really good riffs. Um, Ghosts were good though, weren't they? Ghosts were bloody fantastic, they I thought. They were great. Um, I, I don't know why I'm saying so surprised. Like, they are great. Well, yeah, they are great. And I, I was... I was, I, I suppose I'm surprised because I've just seen so many great bands fall, uh, or, or, you know, trying to support Metallica. Mm. And... I think if memory serves, not including like festivals, so when it's Metallica's own show, I think Ghost is the most successful support slot I've seen for Metallica. Probably. Ooh, I, Machine Head at Wembley Stadium. Really? Was something pretty great. I didn't see that. That was on the black. Which is, you know, when yeah. they came to the O2 and it was fairly lukewarm, the reception. It was very lukewarm. But at too. Wembley Stadium, okay, fair. They, had a re- they did really, really well. I would say they're the two. Okay. They're the two that spring out initially. But Ghost, certainly Ghost, you know. I mean, Machine Head just turned up and plugged in and yeah, played yeah, and yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. decimated the place. Whereas Ghost had a sh- That's a full-blown show. They had a show, yeah. They had Pyro. Pyro. And they had a great backdrop. And, yeah. Uh, they had a great backdrop, which in any other venue would have looked massive, but looked fucking tiny on that stage. <laughs> yeah, didn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, but no, I think there's an immediacy to Ghost um, that will appear. And, and I think there's a lot of people, there, let's face it, there was going to be loads of casuals at that show. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people who look at that band and go, what is this? And then this fucking Blue Oyster Cult thing comes out and they're like, oh, what is this? Yeah. You know, and it did the feel... sax player coming out. The sax player coming the, out, yeah. The security yeah. guard tapped me on the shoulder and went, what is this band called? <laughs> and I like that sax bit. And I was like, mate, good. Like Twickenham security guard. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like into Ghost, and by the end he was like, "Oh, I really enjoyed that." And I was like, "Yeah, oh, good, good." Well, it was a very enjoyable hour, um, and it went very quickly, and it felt like a kind of almost best of. Although they didn't play Monstrous Clock, which I was a bit surprised. Yeah, ended with Square Hammer. Ended with Square I thought Hammer. They were gonna, I, I expected. I looked at my clock, and I thought, um, "We've Your got Monstrous a time- Clock." Well, just a normal one, actually. Um, <laughs> but um, 
And uh, I looked at the the watch and I thought, we've only got time for one more song. So I'm presuming that It'll Monsters, Monsters Clock was yeah. what we were going to get. And then when Square Hammer, because I, I was a bit like, oh man, no Square Hammer, because I do yeah. love yes, that song. Yes, yes. It's, it's great. Fucking it's massive great. And I thought that's going to sound so good on a stadium. Yeah, and it did. And it did. It did. Uh, yeah. And um, Papa Cardinal, Tobias, whatever we want to call him, <laughs> like he is becoming like a, a super frontman that's fantastic like a super and he always has been to be fair yeah. but like yeah. watching him conduct a at that point a very pretty full stadium by the end stadium yeah. as well yeah you know we're not talking about it's one thing doing an arena like that's or or even a festival stage mm. stadiums mm. are fucking stadium shows that's, mm-hmm. that's really tough so um yeah ghosts were brilliant i think there was a chance with this run that you know amazingly ghost supporting metallica might not have done anything for their profile because even though getting them in front of all of those people you know just just things i've seen in the past but from the twickenham day alone i think this will do a lot for ghost profile and there seemed to be a lot of people i was right at the front like a front standing cunt and um (laughs) uh and uh that's what they're calling these days (laughs) That's right, front standing coat. We can't, can't call the show that. I mean, damn. damn. Uh, <laughs> um, I there were loads of people around me who clearly didn't know who the band were, but were really getting into it. And I've not seen that with the Metallica support set before, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and, kind uh, of the, the point of them, isn't it? The, the Ghost are a band who have been tipped to be future festival headliners. Yeah, and on the strength of that, I can see it. I can now, for the first time, because I was always like, are they, too, are they going to be too weird to headline a festival? But I suppose, you know, Slipknot, Tall, Ramstein, they're all yeah, weird, weird bands. Exactly. <laughs> I now, I can see Ghost doing it. I wasn't that keen. I've gone back to, because I, I think I said at the time, I didn't really listen to uh, uh, the last record. I can't remember what it's called now. What's it called? I can't remember. Anyway, I didn't listen uh, to the last record. Prequel. Prequel. Pre- prequel. I didn't it's really listen one. to Prequel very much. And I listened to it in the build up to uh, the Metallica show. And I still was like, oh, I don't really feel like it's as good as the last couple. The last sort of yeah, the first I, three. That's my um, I really, really love the first one. I don't know if it's just because obviously I heard that first and I was like, oh, oh great. It sounds really original. And I didn't care much for um, the second album. Every Belly is their best record. It's seeing them live is the only thing that ever, has ever made me re- get really massively excited about them. Although I did mm. like the first album. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I think the new one sounds all right, but like it's the first time where I've gone, yeah, I think they might end up being really, really big. Yeah. I, I, I can totally see it now. I can, or I could, I could actually kind of see it before, but I can, yeah, definitely. Mm. I, I think, I think they had something I mean, to prove. Really big. Do you know what I mean? I, I thought they could be, I thought they'd be in arenas. I've, I've, but not headlining download. I think now they might. I do genuinely think they might end up headlining download. I think I went to see them at the forum on the Meliora tour, yeah, and they they just they just released um, the EP that Square Hammer comes from as well. And mm. I think that's the first time I went. Fuck, they could be. I think that's probably still the best go show I've ever seen. Yeah, and that was probably the point where I went. Oh, I can oh, I see think this. It's the best one I've seen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were amazing that night. They yeah. were so good. Um, Metallica played. Metallica played as well, didn't they? Yeah. Now, we've all <laughs> seen Metallica. We've all seen Metallica a whole bunch of times. Um, I guess when watching Metallica, we don't need you don't need us to go. Hey, they played in a Sandman and they did some pyro and one was good. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? We don't need to say that. No. You know that. What we're going to concentrate more on, I think, is 
All the other things that you get, you never quite know what you're going to get with the Metallica set. I thought there were some odd choices in this Metallica set. Well, personally, being selfish, because I've seen Metallica a lot of times, as have you, it is the odd moments in a Metallica set that I live for these yeah, days. Yeah, oh, me too. 100%. Um, yeah. So, but, <laughs> unless they're Here Come Revenge. <laughs> in which case i'm going to play nothing else matters they did so they played only they played three songs from hardwired self or no four sorry four, four songs if we're including lords of, oh my god oh let's no, no we're not one. including lords of summer all right all right they played three songs yeah. from uh three songs from uh hardwired self-destruct and um i the last couple of times i saw metallica i i wasn't i didn't i you know i gave them like a four-star review in the independent stuff it wasn't like you know, tearing them apart or anything. But I kind of realised that I've not really warmed to Hardwired at all. Okay. Really. I, 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 listening, hearing Moth into the flame, Moth into flame, um, in that stadium did finally make me go, okay, fair enough. This is a fucking great Moth song. Moth into flame is great. It's a very good song. Mm. I still think Hardwired is just three minutes of bleh. Yeah. Hardwired's not, it's a weird choice as an opener, that one. Yeah. I don't, I, it doesn't, it, if they played Fuel as an opener, that would get me going, but Hardwired doesn't. Mm. It, but having said that, it seems to get everyone else around me going, so fair enough. Um, they, I think it's anything that stops and then starts again with Metallica always stands again. Hardwired to self get stopped. <laughs> like that, that's good. Everyone, everyone likes that. Yeah, sure. You. Well, Fuel does that as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that's probably why people... Yeah, I mean, you know, no, you, of course, I would love to have fuel in the set. There'd be no reason why I wouldn't want that. But, but it wasn't. So, but, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like Hardwired is not a great song. It's not a brilliant opener. No. Um, especially when you've seen them open with fucking So What and Creeping Death yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. It really does show like the difference um i did like them going into memory remains second though yeah that was good yes please yeah fucking love that song don't care yeah. love it it's a great song um and uh, you know ride the lightning yes oh, please yeah, good to see ride the lightning but can we i mean only to bring up the shite bits like come on here comes revenge is such a weird choice of a song off of that because i don't think i mean you know i i'm, I'm i do quite like hardwired yeah i think it's you know, would make one really good album as yes. opposed to two yes. sort of, you know, halves of a decent album. Yes. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on it that, that I think is really, really good. You know, obviously Moth into Flame is probably the best song on it, I think. As I said, they played Here Comes Revenge, which is... It's Here not an obvious Re one to pick. It's, n it's one of the poorest songs on that record, yeah. isn't it? It's I, pretty you know, bad. Atlas Rise is quite good. Now that we're dead, it's good as well. Um, obviously, people love Spit Out the Bone. I'm not mad on Spit Out the Bone, although they played at the O2 when I saw them a few years back. It was good. I love Am I Savage. I would have fucking loved to hear Am I Savage. I was Savage. about to say, um, you and me both, Am I Savage is my favourite song on Hardwired. Yeah, it's great. And um, to my knowledge, I, I, th I think they have played it, but I think it's like twice in buttfuck nowhere. Yeah, cheers for that, guys. Thanks. So, I and, and here comes Revenge is is not a, a good and is not an inter a good or interesting cut from that record no. i don't think um that they then sort of followed it up with uh the kirk and uh rob oh jesus I, I don't know what they're doing i mean you would look at that and you'd go your fucking dad's band like or you know any kind of <laughs> like school band just getting together to jam something it doesn't matter it's like dude 
I'm not being funny. You're in a fucking stadium yeah. full of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You can't just go, hey, we're just going to noodle away and sort of sing whatever we feel like. At them. So for those who don't know, um, Kirk Hammett, guitarist and Rob Trujillo, bassist, kind of have this moment in the show. And, and the purpose of it is basically to give James Hetfield a breather and Lars, actually, to be fair. Well, yeah, Lars, uh, I can yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lars more so probably. Um, and they kind of get together and they plan a song that they're going to play and cover together. And then they just do sort of some solo-y bits and pieces from songs that you wish they'd just play the whole fucking thing. Like Orion, for example, mm. which I still have never seen live. Um, and... Uh, I have. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think, I think I'm just going to leave. Um, and what did they do? They did Killers, uh, Iron Maiden, didn't Yeah, they? although everyone sort of just looked at it and went, uh, and then at the end, Killers came up and everyone sort of went, oh, that's oh, what yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly what they did. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't yeah. the best yeah. cover. I, I, I knew it was Iron Maiden, but I couldn't mm. tell you what song it was until no. Killers came up and then I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, fucking rubbish it wasn't and then good. you thought well, okay, they'll come out and they'll do they'll do something fucking brilliant they'll do like the Four Horsemen or something after this they came out what did they do fucking Frantic well I thought Frantic was fucking great <laughs> you have got to be kidding me I think do you know what I think St Anger fucking vocals I think St Anger the lifestyle death style yeah i think saint anger in small doses is fucking brilliant mm. i think <laughs> is that a mm-hmm of agreement or <laughs> no um, definitely not the mm-hmm of agreement is that a it, time like what that? is is it um oh dear <laughs> I, I think I, come on nice you, you don't like a second of St. Anger? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I don't saying I don't like a second of it. I'm saying those doses are not an entire song. When you say small doses, you mean half a song. Well, Frantic is one of the shortest songs on St. Anger. And I also think it's one of the best. It is too long, yes. Too long. But the shortest song and the best song is still too long. <laughs> I think St. the, un- I think the Unnamed gentlemen. Feeling is the best song. But, um, but yes, I, I don't know. It, it, I was... I managed to not look at any set lists before seeing the show and they've been playing stuff from uh, St. Anger and stuff. But it was such a shock to me that I was just excited because I was like, they don't usually do this. I'm excited. Um, So, and also before... It was shit though. I don't think it was was shit. shit. It was shit. It was shit, mate. It was fucking shit. I I, I, I preferred it to Here Comes Revenge. Mm, yeah, just about. Um, and I certainly preferred it to Rob and Kirk doing whatever the fuck oh, they yes. were playing at. Oh, yes. But I, it just was like, when it when it happened, I saw this St. Anger thing come up and I was like, oh, great. And then it started, they started playing it and I was like, oh, this is ballsy and yeah, cool. And I've not heard this for God knows how long and obviously completely ignored that record for a very, very long time yeah. uh, with good reason, I think. And um and so I was like, oh, great. Like, I'm actually quite looking forward to hearing this in the live yeah, environment yeah, yeah. and seeing how it translates. And at first I was like, cool. But as the song wore on, all the things about the song that just don't work just 
popped up. Like I say, the backing vocals were embarrassing. The song is way too long. Nothing really happens. The lyrics are crap. It's got quite a good riff. I mean, Lars seemed to be finding it even harder to play than he did on the record, which is... <laughs> quite something yeah but he had the he had the um the the dustbin that he was hitting then, yeah, yeah 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 it's so. like sesame street like him sort of <laughs> bashing oscar the grouch on the head that, that snare sound and um and um and it was just rubbish and then they came out and you know to go from i think what did they do they did creeping De- they did one to creeping De- to master uh, puppets creeping to, death yeah so it's frantic one master of puppets for whom the bell tolls yeah. creeping death and then destroy. seeking destroy which was fucking mental like, yeah to yeah. go from one like those five to go off and to come back on and play lords of summer lords of summer lords of summer which is an absolute piece of shit to be honest song. with you i think the worst song played probably of the entire night was lords of summer yeah by anyone, by any of the three by bands. By any of the three bands. Yeah. yeah. It's a fucking howler, that song. It is. If they've been doing that or Spit Out the Bone. And like I say, oh, I... I would have rather had Spit Out the oh Bone. Oh my God, I would have much rather had Spit Out the Bone. And I'm not, I'm not like, I know some people, they go batty for, for Spit Out the Bone. I think it's pretty good. I'm not like mad, mad, mad on it like some people. I think it's a decent song. I like it a lot. But bloody hell, if it's a difference between... I was looking at it, I was going, please, God, can we get a spit out of the bone or can they do something special? Like, I was thinking, yeah. please come out and do something completely different to fucking spit out of the bone or Lords of but just whatever. Just mm. please, 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 can we not get Lords of Summer? What are you thinking playing well, Lords of Summer? It is a rubbish song. It's not even on any of their albums. Like, no, it's on, it's on the deluxe edition of Hardwired. Um, the really special moment for me did come No, no Leaf, Leaf Clover. Clover. Um, Jinx. Yeah. Oh, am I not allowed to talk now? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, I've never heard that song live. Um, Played at Wembley Stadium again. That Wembley Stadium. I should have gone to that Wembley Stadium show. Yeah, really should. It was great. Um, And Jesus Christ, I love that song. That's amazing. It's so good. Uh, and I, I was just, I was, I, I was so excited. I was all, I was on the verge of tears when they started playing it. So brilliant. I, I, I think I, I, uh, yeah. Old um, Merlin from Metal Hammer has never seen it either. And he was going to me, oh, if they play No Leaf Clover, if they play No Leaf Clover. And I was like, yeah, it'd be really, really good that. Really, I, really I good. really didn't expect it. And it just came and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah. I mean, again, like not something on their records, but that's the thing you go, well, obviously people love that and it's great. Um, and I can't ever, I don't ever remember anyone going, oh, no leave clover. But it's Lords of Summer, everyone around me just sort of went, oh. Do you know <laughs> like, what? The collective kind of uh, en- energy, just like, I, I during Lords of Summer, like. You during, just played Seek and Destroy. You yeah, I know. Bastard. During Metallica's set, like everyone was like, oh my God, it's Metallica. And like craning over to see people and they would come down on the, the ego ramps and stuff and get people get really excited when they were coming close. During Laws of Summer, it felt like practically everyone just turned to their mate and had a conversation. It really did. It was, it, it felt like Metallica were a support act for one song and one song only. Yeah, it was a pity. It, it, it was rubbish. But overall, Metallica and Metallica and Metallica. Great. Yeah, but actually overall, I thought it was a fucking great set. Yeah, it's, I really it's, liked it's it. The, I liked it a lot. The Metallica show I've enjoyed the most for a while. Um, I can't remember. The, probably Death Magnetic probably enjoyed it more the most yeah. since the last time i saw them on death magnetic uh nothing before. from death magnetic at all nothing from death magnetic no nothing i don't think that's load 
Nothing from Load. Again. Yeah. Um, um, and it's stuff like that when you go nothing from Load and nothing from Death Magnetic and yet you're playing one of the worst songs off your latest album. You're letting those two fanny tit around <laughs> doing like barely recognisable Iron Maiden covers mm. and you're playing one of the worst songs you have ever written as a bloody encore. And yeah, yeah, it was still really good. And yeah, Metallica, it was still brilliant. It was still brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was really, really good. Yeah. Um, I nearly, I, I, the last couple of times I've seen Metallica, I have left during that sort of halfway through Nothing Else Matters because I'm like, I yes. never need to see that and I never need to hear yes. Enter Sandman Enter ever Sandman. again. But I stayed the other day. And you know, I'm glad I did because yeah. I think, have I don't know, it's just something that I was like, who knows when we'll see Metallica again? I mean, probably yeah. will. But yeah. you just, you yeah. know, you don't know how when, how long these bands are going to be around for, so you might as well fucking make the most of seeing them. So I, I, I t- tell, I'll tell you what, Papa Hat on the old big screens had very sad old eyes, didn't he? Yeah. Very sad, like sad old dog, isn't he? Like the <laughs> old dog, he looked like. I, I mean, I know this isn't the first time that someone said it, but he is looking more and more like the cowardly lion from the Wizard of Oz every single day. Yeah, he had very sad eyes, mm. sad grey eyes. Poor James. Anyway, um, Kirk's starting to look a little bit like Raquel Welsh as she <laughs> aged, I thought as well. Um, <laughs> I really fancy Raquel Welsh. Yeah, back in the day. Not, not, <laughs> not now. now. Not now. <laughs> um, uh, okay, this is the bit of the show where I get... So that's Metallica. This is the bit of the show where I get really jealous of Renfrey because you went to see Nick Cave and Tool. Hello. Um, Talk to us about Nick Cave. I went to see Nick Cave at the Barbican Centre. For those who don't know that's the Barbican Centre. That's got to be amazing, right? Oh, my shitter. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> um, Barbican Centre is a sort of wicked art centre uh, in London. They do they do all sorts of things. They do opera. They do contemporary dance. They do they have got a cinema there, but it's very it's you know more kind of artsy fartsy kind of thing. And um, he was in the main room. I don't know how many people it sits, but my guess would be maybe two thousand. So relatively intimate by Nick Cave standards, especially considering he played I think the O2 like three times in a row last year um and it wasn't so much a well it was a gig but it was less of a gig and more of a question and answer um sort of session so basically nick cave had a there was a grand piano in the middle of the stage nick cave has a mic there's actually people on stage as well there's there's audience members on stage like around tables and stuff which is a nice little uh nice touch and he was saying during the show that the reason that he'd chosen to do this was after his son passed away quite tragically, um, he, he needed to basically feel connection again. Um, and he started, uh, he started doing something called the red hand files, which is basically where people can email him and ask him any question he wants. And then he sends out one of the questions with an answer as a newsletter, just as and when he feels like it. It's a brilliant thing to subscribe to, actually. Mm -hmm. I fully recommend it. And this is kind of a means of him doing that live. And I think that is a very fucking cool thing to do uh, because it gives people an opportunity to be in the same room in an intimate room with an icon and it feel like his living room basically and the manner in which the show would go is he would ask you know people would ask him questions and he'd give answers and then an answer might remind him of a song and then so and he'd go oh actually you know i'll play that song for you. i'll just i'll just pop over to the piano and play into my arms and break your heart you know like but it was so 
the 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 he he's been starting with God is in the house for every single one of these shows, but then from then it's just anything goes really. And sometimes people would ask for requests, and he was like, I can't do that one, just myself and piano. I really need the bad seeds here for that one. Um, but most of the time, if people wanted something playing, he'd be like, yeah, 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 I'll do it for you. Like very casually, just like, yeah, 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 I'll chuck that out for you. And it's like one of the most beautiful songs you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a fucking treat, really. If you're a massive Nick Cave fan, it was a huge treat. My favourite Nick Cave album is uh, And No More Shall We Part. And um, usually if you go to see him live, you might you might get one song from it. Yeah. He played three from it. Wow. So I was just ecstatic. And he only played 13 songs in total. Um, he did a brilliant cover of Cosmic Dancer by T-Rex on the piano oh, really? it just sounded fucking great because he went into a story about t-rex and again it's just like actually i'll play it i'll just play it for you you know and then goes back into a story kind of thing and it felt so uh it just felt so casual mm. and i think that's almost what was the best thing about it it was an icon it was two hours and 45 minutes sat down in a room with an icon and you could ask him whatever you wanted and you know, and it did feel like you could ask him whatever you wanted. Um, he brought his son up, son up himself very quickly, and there was a sort of frisson in the air because mm. you know it's like, oh god, can you can you talk about that? But he kind of made it very clear very early on that like nothing's off the table. You can ask me anything. I might not answer it, but you can ask anything you want. I thought so, that was really fucking cool. Um, he also played a Leonard Cohen cover Avalanche, which sounded absolutely wonderful he's obviously a massive um massively influenced by leonard cohen but hearing nick cave do leonard cohen was fucking brilliant jubilee street sounded absolutely amazing solo piano version of stagger lee oh wow can you imagine it was fucking great Mm. um he he covered quote unquote a grinder man song um one of his other bands palaces of uh, montezuma which was absolutely amazing and then ended with into my arms and skeleton tree which just seemed like a perfect way to end it it was a really, real. I mean, I think even if I actually went with someone who wasn't, you know, very, very, very casual Nick Cave fan, um, and she got an awful lot out of it, even though, you know, even though she wasn't massively into it, it definitely felt like something that was predominantly for fans. But yeah. even if you weren't, you would have got a lot out of it. And wow. two hours, two and a half hours in the company of that man is worth it alone i think um it was a really wonderful night really wonderful thing yeah that sounds amazing um presumably equally amazing was going to see tall we spoke about tall or i spoke about tall yeah last week with matt i've I've heard your review as well so i'm going to try not to repeat things that you said because obviously there's going to be a lot of crossover Mm. so the previous day i was in amsterdam watching tall at the zigo dome and i was very adamant about seeing tall indoors um yes. i thought that would make a massive amount of difference slightly different from the download show although not not massively um i'm actually actually i'm going to do the negatives first not that there were many but just a couple of small irritants um and to make you feel less jealous as well um they had two hours at their own show and only yep. an hour and a half at download so i was kind of expecting there to be a few more songs and um instead it just sounds like they there were bits and pieces like for example i believe at download they played parabola but they didn't play parable yeah that's correct so they played parable and parabola at mm. amsterdam but there was also uh, there was an encore and for the encore they flashed up a 
clock, which was a 12 minute countdown where nothing was happening. And that was just basically, that was, that was waiting for them to come back on the encore. So tall. It's very tall. It's also very annoying when it's like, you could play another song in that time. Mm. And 12 minutes when nothing is happening feels like a really long time when it's yeah. like, you could be playing Push It or mm. you could be playing The Grudge. Well, they didn't or, play fucking Lateralis. They didn't play the title track from Lateralis. No, they didn't play Lateralis. I think that is, I mean, I got an email from, um, it's really, to shout him out, Alan Day, <laughs> furious. Mm. Alan Day, who works at Kilimanjaro, did Sonosphere, emailed me and was like, I was fucking livid when they didn't play <laughs> Lateralis. And I was like, yeah, I mean... You could write a whole set list of stuff for another two hours yeah. of stuff they didn't play. So I yes. suppose that was always going to be the case. Well, this is the thing. I could have sat there, and this was a thought I had immediately after they went off uh, after Stink Fist, which was the last song they played. Mm. I felt like I could have sat there and watched them literally all night if they had yeah. uh, blessed me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's that. how I felt. Yeah. I mean, um, stood up and my back, like hard. I yeah. Last week, my back was fucking killing me by the end it was yeah. agony but yeah. then you know it just i was still disappointed when they went off yes yes exactly i i think they just have they are so uniquely them and the fact that you know they're just four people on stage playing their instruments and yet are so captivating the fact that maynard james keenan is at the back stalking around at the back of that stage and yet seems to be one of the most charismatic <laughs> front men in in some in some ways not that he says an awful lot i think i think the only thing he said as in that wasn't sung to mm. amsterdam was amsterdam that was it really? uh, i think so yeah if, if memory serves it, it was just over a week ago that i went to this now but yeah um but he doesn't need to you know when you start when you start with enema fuck me yeah, just just i just heard the I was like, oh, they're not, are they? And they fucking did. You know, into the pot, into Parabola and Parabola and 46 and 2. And, you know, um, they played Intolerance. Did they play Intolerance at the yep. Okay, cool. Amazing. Uh, fucking. So great. That's a good song. Yeah. Uh, Jambi, you know, Vicarious. Mm. Uh, the new songs. Did you talk about the new songs that much last week? I can't remember. I, don't remember uh, I said I thought they were amazing. I think it's amazing that you would just drop basically 25 minutes, half an hour yeah. of, your, of an hour and a half long set playing songs <laughs> that no one has ever heard before. And most of them are completely instrumental. Like, I was I was stunned at how quick one of those songs, the songs are called Descending and Invincible. I don't even know if those are the actual titles. or if Yeah, I guess titles. we don't know. Do yeah, we? yeah, We've yeah. No way of knowing. One of those songs apparently is around 12, 13 minutes. Yeah. I couldn't tell you which one it is because both of them felt like they went by in about four. Yeah, they're both pretty long, I think. I think one's like, yeah. Yeah, one is 12 minutes and I'm not sure how long the other one is, but one's like seven, eight and one's 12. Didn't feel like it. No. I mean, I, I was totally captivated. You know, I was, I was... <sighs> I was less into it than I was for the songs that I've known for 20 odd years, but I was still totally captivated by it. Particularly the end of whatever the second one was. I remember thinking like, this is incredible. Invincible, this, I yeah, believe. Just, yeah. This is incredible. Like Maynard just walked off. I don't know if he did yes. it. Or yours, but he just <laughs> fucked did. off yeah. and left. And I was like, well, that must be the end of the song in a minute then. And it still went on for another four minutes. Yeah, and I was like, this brilliant. is amazing. And the yeah. balls, I think just the balls to come back and do that. I mean, not so much at your own gig, but definitely at a festival where yeah. there are, ca- you know, yeah. there are casuals and I've seen, the kind of casual people going oh it's boring or whatever and it's yeah. like oh you have no you right to, to just <laughs> we don't need you mate we just really don't need you 
Um, I definitely thought Invincible. I thought they were both great. I thought Invincible was. I preferred Invincible over Descending, but I'm not going to go into a huge thing with that because basing, you know, talking about a tool song having heard it once live, like it's really stupid thing to do. I've got a story. Remind me about the story for somebody. What somebody said a thing to do with tool later after we finish. I can't say. Oh, you can't say. Okay. Yeah. Um. But um. You know, I I don't have loads more to add because I feel like you did most of it last week and everything you said last week, I completely agree with, mm. by the way. I think the only thing I will add is I've been waiting 11 years to see Tool again. And when you've been waiting for something for so long and it lives up to it, and even maybe a little bit more, mm. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was absolutely... My my one complaint is they, you know, they did an encore where I didn't really feel it was necessary yeah. and, and made us wait 12 minutes so that we couldn't have more mm. of it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They, I, I, I cannot wait to see them again. I cannot wait till August 30th when we hear that record. I cannot wait. No, I'm so excited. I'm excited. Anyway, that's tool. Oh, we didn't talk about... Um, <laughs> so Matt... Well, I always slag off Bullet for My Valentine for new listeners. Uh, Matt oh, yeah. Tuck had been sat in front of me <laughs> at Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. And uh, he looked like he had an, an all right time. <laughs> Can you not say... He just didn't clap or look happy or smile or was under the understanding that they're his favourite band. And yet I've never seen someone watching their favourite band look so bored. Or leave after four songs. Yeah, or leave after a few songs. (laughs) I was like, oh, got somewhere to be, have you, mate? Um, but no, there, his favorite didn't bands. like yeah didn't like watching yeah. ghosts he was watching ghosts his hands on his uh, sitting on his hands no I was like thinking about oh we could have they t- they told me metal cause the future they said it could have been me <laughs> they told me that really bland metal was the future <laughs> turns out it was dressing up as a pope and playing the saxophone <laughs> I could have done that um, but yeah it was just quite funny anyway uh, let's finish off this week. Uh, this week's Mammoth show mm. by doing a trade-off. Do you want to, which which album would you like to start with, Renfrey? We've got into a, a sort of pattern where we've ended with the biggest album. So I'm happy to do Paper Chase first. Although weirdly, <laughs> somehow, because Mirrorball is a fascinating record, yeah. I feel like somehow Paper Chase has um, got much more to unpack if you like. Yeah, let's do let's do Mirable first. Okay, let's talk about Mirable. So it's Neil Young. Uh Neil Young and Pearl Jam. Um their sort of collaboration album from uh, from 1995 released on the 27th of June in 1995. It is the 21st studio album by Neil Young. And this is going back fucking hell. This is going back 24 years. So he's got the got a lot of records he's in fourth uh he's i think he's got yeah he's about yeah, to he's got a lot of records neil young um neil young around this time obviously um roping in pearl jam is a big deal this is pearl jam on about to release they, or having just released vitalogy uh vitalogy came out in 1994 so yeah. yes so they, kind of post vitalogy they were between vitalogy and no code yeah um i oh shall i say this now do you want me to say that um Pearl Jam were in a tough place. 
Uh, and they have admitted in there, but I don't know if they would have admit, admitted this at the time, but they have admitted, they, they released a, a PJ20 book, which came out uh, alongside Cameron the Crow's, film. Uh, uh, Cameron Crowe's incredible documentary. documentary. Another brilliant documentary. Yeah, yeah. Of the third we've mentioned this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot um, of chat about this tour and how it sort of saved the band. Really, yes, it? exactly. Yeah. Basically, um, Pearl Jam started as, as Stone Gossard's band, effectively, mm. the rhythm guitarist um, of Pearl Jam. And he had, you know, he was the primary songwriter, I think it's fair to say, on 10. And over 10 verses in Phytology, it slowly metamorphosed metamorphosed and basically it became eddie vedder who became the primary songwriter eddie came in with songs like nothing man and better man and turned pearl jam into a different thing turned pearl jam into a less commercially viable thing Mm -hmm. but turned them into something which meant that they would survive and they wouldn't um it didn't feel like they were burning the candle at both ends it didn't feel like I think with 10 and verses to a degree, it felt like they were just going to explode and be a thing for five years. And then that was it. Yep. And something tragic. Like many of their contemporaries. Like, yeah, I was, well, I was about to say, and something tragic might happen like a Nirvana or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think, um, Eddie Vedder said many times, you know, me and Kirk Bain were on parallel tracks in mm. terms of that sort of thing. We just happened to get off at different stations kind of thing. We were lucky enough to get off at different stations. I think Vitology was very much Pearl Jam's attempt to be not commercial anymore, especially it starts in a really fucking weird way. Yep. It's got some weird shit on it, you know. It bugs. was very much considered, if I go back to the time, it was very much considered uh, a huge misstep. It was at the time. It's now considered one of their best albums, yep. and I would actually weird, agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would think it is one of their best albums. Yeah, it's a fucking great. Record. It's brilliant. brilliant. I, I mean, I remember getting. I got um, Vitalogy after No Code had came out, right? And I'd heard seen people had like owned it, but the reviews of it seemed to be really bad. So I was yeah. very much like, oh, well, maybe I don't need to listen to that one. And then when I actually heard it, yeah, I was like, I don't understand why this is getting so much shit. It's fucking brilliant. Well, there's some weird shit on it. That's well, there is why. some I weird mean, shit on I it, mean, but it's still great. Like, Pry to and uh, uh, Tremor Quart Christ and mm-hmm. Bugs and uh, I mean the final track is full on disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Foxy Fandle, Mama, that's me. Um, but then it's also got Nothing Man, Better Man, uh, Spin the Black Circle, mm. uh, Not For You, one of my favourite Pearl Jam songs, uh, Immortality. It's fucking brilliant. Corduroy, fucking hell, yes, I don't forget Corduroy. Corduroy. It's amazing. Yeah, really good. Um, so but, that's where they were. But it did very much look like they were going to split up because, it, it, you know, and that wasn't, that wasn't public knowledge, but there was real strife within the band and... Neil Young, I think, basically saw this and went, look, say, said to the musicians in Pearl Jam, come on tour with me for a bit and just, just get away from each other for a bit. Mm. And that's basically what happened. Oh, let's talk about Neil Young. Let's bring this, because mm. this, is, this is not a Pearl Jam out of Pearl no, Jam. No, obviously no, it's not the story of Pearl Jam, Jam and why Pearl Jam on it is obviously a huge part of this. But this yeah. is... This is a, a Neil Young This album. is a Neil yeah. Young record. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Young, the godfather of grunge. Yep. Uh, in 1995 that year, he actually headlined the Reading Festival with Pearl Jam as his backing band on this record. Do you know what? I didn't know that. Yeah, that is true. Fuck. He did. Yeah, he uh, um, he that. headlined. The headliners that weekend were um, the Smashing Pumpkins, Neil Young with Pearl Jam mm. and Bjork, weirdly, Bjork uh, playing to, from what I'm aware, one of the smallest 
festival headlining crowds no. in the history of Reading Festival, whilst everyone else went over to the second stage to watch the Foo Fighters debut UK performance. Oh. That was the year, a vintage year at wow. Reading Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, a, you know, just a, a great year at Reading Festival. Neil Young, of course, when you think of people like Foo Fighters, Smashing Pumpkins, Bjork, in the 90s, incredibly contemporary acts, Neil Young was... Um, you know, well, he was oh. on his 19th record. At yeah, this yeah, point. yeah. He's he only... started late 60s. Yeah. Still young. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think it probably, I, I mean, I, I'm unaware of how much of a shot in the arm Neil Young was given by grunge, but he is always, as far as I've known him, being considered quote unquote, the godfather, the godfather of grunge, of grunge yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Which listening back to his, um, his kind of early stuff, <laughs> It's a weird, like, I sort of get it, but it is like, that's it, tenuous, right? It's not so much from his early stuff, though, actually. It's actually more from the stuff 80s. that he, it was the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, I get it, but it's, I mean, it, it, it's always struck me as something fairly odd. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I can see yeah. why, you know, those people would massively love Neil Young. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's always felt like... Uh, uh, like I say, fairly tenuous. Yeah. If you listen to Everyone Knows This Is Nowhere or mm. Harvest and go, this is the godfather of grunge, yeah. it's a little bit like, yeah. well, I don't it's really odd. see how, but yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, Renfrey, when did you get into Neil Young? When did you first hear him? Um, I, I couldn't tell you when I first heard him. I got into him around sort of drama school time, mm-hmm. shortly after Nick Cave. Um, so... I think Nick Cave expanded my horizons generally. I was like, oh, there's more than music than rock and metal. Um, and so started checking out other artists as a result. Yeah. Um, and it would have been one of those things where you go down to FOP and their entire back catalogue's £5 pounds mm-hmm. per CD. Mm. So I got After the Gold Rush and That's Everybody great, Knows This Is Nowhere. I think After the Gold Rush, oh, probably my favourite Neil okay. Young album. But also, you know, just knowing, being a massive Pearl Jam fan and just knowing that... I mean, Pearl Jam constantly cover Neil Young's songs. Neil Young inducted Pearl Jam into... Oh, did he induct them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, David Letterman did. Yeah, you're right. But Eddie Vedder inducted Neil Young into the... Ah, uh, right. So, okay. yes, I, know, I knew there was a... He's done a few, Eddie Vedder. He's done a few, yeah. He's, he's done, done a few. He's done the Remains as He well, did the Remains, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Always great, though. His yeah. speeches before are so fucking, fucking funny. Um... Yeah, and and obviously that connection. I knew quite a few of his songs because Pearl Jam covers so much of his stuff. So "Rocking in the Free World" is a constant mm-hmm. in Pearl Jam setlist. "Fucking Up" they do quite a bit, uh, and obviously you know I just heard lots of Neil Young stuff. Um, and then I bought this album. It would have been shortly after that because I was aware of the Pearl Jam connection, and mm-hmm. I was really intrigued to buy it, and I wanted to listen to it. Well, I I actually with when I sort of first got into rock music, I um, I had a mate, Gwilym Cook. Um, and his dad, uh, Phil Philip Cook, Strongy, as we used to call him, he was uh, he used to play badminton, and he looked good. And he'd, so we called him Strongy. Right. So shout out strength, shout out Phil Cook for <laughs> uh, turning me on to Neil Young. We were looking through um, Strongy's uh, CD collection, Gwil's dad, when I was around his house one day, and he had um, Sleeps with Angels, the Neil Young album that had come out the year ah, before, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. and. At this point, we're like, oh, you know, like music, music, like what yeah, can we yeah. get? And we put on Sleeps With Angels. And I was under the impression that this guy was, like we say, the godfather of grunge. And I mm. knew he was going to be headlining Reading soon. 
And we listened to that and we were like, oh, what? I don't, ah, this ain't grunge. Like, what the fuck? There's actually, particularly, there's a song on Sleeps with Angels called, which you should all listen to, because I don't know if it's good or if it's rubbish, but it's really, really catchy and really hilarious, called Piece of Crap, where Neil Young just talks about how his car and his phone and just, like, modern technology is a piece of crap. Piece of crap! And we still walk around going, it was a piece of crap. Piece of crap! Uh, and, yeah, it's a good song. And, um, yeah, yeah, sort of. And, okay. <laughs> uh, it's a piece of crap. Piece of crap! <laughs> and so I listened to Neil Young, Sleeps With Angels, and I just thought, meh, nah. Meh. Like, this is weird. I don't know. I understand why this guy's being lauded Hailed, as sort yeah. of this yeah. genius. It's not for me at all. His, his voice is really whiny and crap. It's a weird and voice, definitely. Weird voice. Yep. And, you know, like my mum could never get into it. It would always be like, oh, I don't really like Neil Young. Yep. Even though she's mad into all that other contemporaries of his. Yep. Because she's like, his voice, it's just his fucking voice. It's definitely an unusual voice. It's yeah. an unusual voice. Um, it wasn't really until I heard, funnily enough, a typo negative covering Cinnamon Girl. Oh, no way. That made me go, this song's brilliant, obviously it is, Typo negative are doing it and i assumed it's just oh well typo negative are brilliant yeah and they've turned this rubbish artist into something great but then i was quite intrigued to hear the original neil young version and then when i heard the original cinnamon girl i thought to myself maybe i'm picking a bad period of his career the mid 90s when he had obviously dropped off a bit maybe i should go back to the source and listen to harvest yeah. and whatever yeah. and so i did do that and that's when i was like oh actually this guy's fucking Quite. great yeah, yeah, yeah um and i don't know if maybe it's weird that sleeps with angels is the first one that i heard and then mirrorball came out a year later because not only did it give pearl jam a shot in the arm i feel like it must have given neil young a shot in the arm a I little bit a sort of second commercial win I because so yeah you know um they slip so seamlessly into each other's strips slipstreams on this record yes um i think this this album massively benefits um having what i guess what we now know as we probably wouldn't have really realized at the time but now what we would realize is what i would kind of call the classic pearl jam sound listening to the musicality on this record like you can absolutely tell that those musicians are Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes. Mm. Yes. I don't, I don't know what a classic Pearl Jam sound is now. But no, done... but I think, I think, I agree, you know the, it's there. Back in the day with, with three albums, mm. you probably wouldn't have listened to this and gone, oh, that sounds like, you know, uh, Mike McCready or Stone Gossard. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know, I was going to say that like, this doesn't necessarily sound like waggle hall. Sure. Well, right, do you know what I mean? Right, it doesn't right. sound like that grunge sound particularly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. these days, when I yes. listen to Pearl Jam, I'm like, I now can listen to this and go, oh yeah, that does oh, yeah, sound like that what, band. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, does yeah. sound like that band. Yeah. And um, and I think, you know, they, they complement each other very, very well. Yeah. Um, it's certainly better than the previous Neil Young album that I okay. listened to. I actually went back and listened to Sleep with Angels okay. just to double check right. that I wasn't being, and I think actually this is far superior to that record. Oh, good. I've not heard that record, so okay. I can't. Yeah, can't, I think so. this is a way, way, way better record. And it came out like a year later. Oh, yeah. Neil Young. I mean, obviously he's very prolific. To this day, Neil Young that. is incredibly prolific. Mm, mm. Um, you know, and there's so many times where you do on this record where you go, oh, you know that obviously that has to be Pearl Jam. But then, I mean, if if you could, so what is it? If a good, I just think as well they they obviously at this point with all the troubles they had, they sound fucking delighted to be on this record. Yes. Does any band sound? I've written down here if a guitar riff could grin. 
then it would be the riff on Act of Love. Ah, nice. Do you know what I mean? Like, nice. which just comes in like, we're playing with Neil Young. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, you they can hear absolutely the palpable excitement. Yeah, that and I think that's a really, really seductive thing. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's worked really, obviously did a lot for Pearl Jam and I think yeah. it obviously did a lot for Neil Young. Um, and be, Eddie coming in on Peace and Love is like, yeah, he he, he does backing on a couple of these songs. Um, song, mm. is it Song X, the first song? Um, it's, it says he only does backing vocals on Peace and Love. In the liner notes. In the liner notes. He definitely... Uh, I mean, uh, I in, feel like you can hear him on others, but I... He, he's definitely on song. He's definitely on the first song. Right. Definitely. Okay. I yeah, can I hear think. him. Um, there is... There is... To take that point a little bit and run with it, there isn't an awful lot to these songs, really. No. Many of them, the chorus is the title of the song sung again and again and again many of them yeah and probably half well, i mean of them. you know throw your hatred down yeah it's definitely one of them throw, throw your, your hatred, hatred down, down. But yeah that is a re- but then okay so this goes back to the raconteurs that's true these songs are very simple i think they're, they're simple great incredible alternative simple. rock yeah. songs yeah throw your he doesn't sing he sings that in a way which is really memorable yeah yeah like it's kind of typically neil young but oddly like no one yeah like that the way that we both did it we both went that inflection we that goes that, down yeah. at the yeah. end of it yeah. like stuff like that just makes it really really remember memorable i mean the obvious one being a single as well downtown which is just a fucking mm. banger yeah. it's a fucking great song yeah and really really simple like you say um again you know that sounds when neil young when you go like yeah neil young it's like anytime he sounds a bit like rocking on the free world in yeah. a free world you just yeah, go exactly yeah, great and he does for most of this record, yeah. to be honest, uh, the, the majority of it. You know, it's a little bit long. It's a little bit repetitive and yeah. stuff. But it's like not you the best say, Neil Young album. No, but no, it's... no. God, no. But the, I mean, it's one of my favourites for, you know, for, for, for yeah. biased reasons. But, 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 I, but I accept it's not one of the best. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, like you say, there's something so infectious about this band just being so fucking excited to play with Neil Young that it's yeah. difficult not to go with it, really, yeah. I think, anyway. Um, and yeah, I, I go back to this album all the time. I love it. It's really good. Put it on in the summer and it will just, you know, you said if you said if a guitar riff could have a smile, it'd be the riff to Act of Love. I, I feel like these songs make you smile and just yeah. make you go, fuck yeah fucking yeah, love rock fucking music simple rock music um they went out and did 11 dates on tour together right uh, apparently <laughs> neil young's manager called it one of the greatest tours that we ever did cool i didn't know that so it's um obviously this is a um a kind of a, a sleeper unimportant record I think. yeah definitely you know and it's cool that i think maybe that's something where i mean i think this record is good i think it's really yeah, good yeah but i think there are some times where we hear side projects or solo projects and stuff and it's done and you kind of go well why did they do that yeah like yeah, why yeah, did yeah. pearl jam you could go well why did pearl jam waste i mean obviously neil young was probably bigger than them even though they were oh, big definitely like he, yeah, not yeah, as contemporary yeah. contemporary big yeah but he was obviously a and still is a hugely sizable yeah, yeah, artist. Yeah. And I think you could have gone, but but you still could have gone, why are Pearl Jam wasting great material, like this material they've got on just something they're going to give to some other dude? Mm. But you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes and the reason for why yeah. these bands need to do these things. And I think this is one of those occasions where on reflection, I mean, the kind of the results were good, 
And on reflection, it's proven that it would have been a very important kind of healing step or uh, transitioning step onto the next part of where these bands are going to go. Because once no, code, once no Code comes along, Pearl Jam are kind of in their own lane by that point, yes, aren't they? And absolutely. it's like, off you go. I think No We're, Code is the point when they're in yeah, their own me lane. Too, me too, me yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I, I think these songs sound like, you know, they, they almost sound like they were um, written five minutes before they were recorded. Mm. And that's it's got another, a great like, live feel to it. Yes, very much. I yeah. mean, I probably it's was. Assumedly, it would have been written live. Probably yeah. was. Yeah, it probably recorded live. Vocals overdubbed, I would have thought, but and maybe a couple of bits and pieces here and there, but I, it sounds like a live record. Yeah, and also, in the same sessions, I mean, Pearl Jam did get something out of it in terms of songs, because they this is the um, session where they recorded the Merkin Ball EP, Long Road and I Got Shit, which are two of the best Pearl Jam songs, basically. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and those were recorded in a session. So they did get something out of it as well, I would say. Good. Well, there you go. Anyway, that's Mirrorball by Neil Young and Pearl Jam. A good record. And kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> which, which is... This record is not. <laughs> not the same as what we're about to talk about. Um, I gave you The Paper Chase, Hide the Kitchen Knives from 2002. Um, yeah, I, I can see your sadism coming out on this album. Yeah. So, <laughs> my first question to you, if you don't mind, or do you mm-hmm. want to do a bit of introductory? Blurb? Well, I was going to say for those of you who are unaware, um, the Paper Chase uh, are a band who feature John Congleton, who has now gone on to be a producer de jour for many kind of underground and interesting uh, uh, avant-garde sort of rock bands Absolutely. rock and in, indian alternative bands I'm, from across the the globe i'm going to confess i didn't know that uh until i started listening to this record properly mm-hmm. um but just some of the his 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 producing career is insane yeah just some of the artists that john congleton has worked with include baroness and yes no, he's not on that new album. He's on Yellow and Green, wasn't he? Yeah. He did Yellow and Green. Baroness, The Appleseed Cart, Chelsea Wolf, Bono, Connor Oberst, Phoebe Bridges, Swans, Lana Del Rey, Manchester Orchestra, The Polyphonic Spree, Sleater Kinney, Trash Talk, mm-hmm. Nelly Furtado, Sigarose, mm-hmm. Modest Mouse, This Will Destroy You, Sharon Van Etten, John Grant, Thrice, and Marilyn Manson. He is like Riot Axe, ultimate producer yeah in that he, he did blondie as well by the way did he do blondie yeah, yeah he does so many different things and yet i mean maybe we wouldn't cover nelly Furtado, but the rest of those like like almost almost all of it is at least interesting mm. do you know what i mean mm. which is kind of what we go for on this yeah. podcast oh yeah uh, what a dude just, what a guy what a, what a fucking dude super and impressed particularly when you consider listening to this record it sounds like someone who's about to burn down his own house with him inside it um you're yeah. surprised that not only did he do all that but that he's actually alive yeah i would say um i was sort of uh i think i said before i used to work in mvc music video club i believe it was which is an old record shop from mm. the sort of 90s and early 2000s before it shut down um i used to work in there in basingstoke back in the sort of early noughties and this record came in and it was put in the metal section and i saw the front cover and i thought oh it looks like we started getting at this point we were getting a lot of bands like norma jean and zao and 18 visions and that sort of thing started to get 
being sent into the store. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, well, maybe it's one of them because, you know, the cover looks like yep. it might be. Yeah, I can <laughs> say that. Yep. I thought it might be, uh, uh, you know, a sort of one of those new metalcore bands. And I put it on and it was far, far more scary and heavy and terrifying than than that. But what should be pointed out is it a definitely is not, not a metal, metal record. Not metal, metal record at all. I think it actually has more in common sonically with indie than it mm. does metal. I don't think it's an indie record either. No, I don't know what this is. I haven't got a clue what this is. Okay. Um, but uh, I think I expected. I've heard you talk about this record before, and I think I expected a clattery, noisy, chariot-style record mm-hmm. just based on the things you said about it and nothing you said was wrong about it, but I went in the wrong direction because that is not what this is. No, I, this is one of the darkest, bleakest albums that I've ever heard in my life. Maybe the Holy Bible is the best it's comparison. definitely comparable to the Holy Bible. Not that it's the same at all. It's not the same. Like musically, it's not the same. And the thing about the Holy Bible is um, the Holy Bible is really matter of fact yep. about how much it hates the world the, surrounding it. The entire world, yeah. It is every single part of Western culture just taken uh, with a scalpel, like dissected with a scalpel taken to it in the most brutal, in like inhumane, like the coldest way possible. That is a cold record. Yeah. That is a record that has no love or compassion. It is a cold-blooded killer. It's reptilian, that record. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It is just really... And even though, you know, obviously Richie Edwards wrote it, Richie at that time was, from everything I read and all the things that I've seen, Richie to me feels like an individual who was so deeply disturbed by everything that he just become utterly desensitized, utterly emotionless and just was going, this is the reality of life. Mm -hmm. It is fucking bleak. The paper chase, on the other hand, that is not this. John Congleton is very, very highly, heavily emotionally invested in what is going on in this record. This sounds not like someone who has already had a breakdown and is now sort of stripped bare of any humanity. It sounds like someone in the middle of a psychotic episode. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I agree. Um, I tried to explain what this album sounds like. Okay, go for it. I'm interested. I came up with it's kind of the blood brothers meets fugazi meets a random selection of musical instruments slash objects slash animals being thrown down some stairs Mm. with a little bit of daughters but not as heavy as any of those bands but but sonically but really heavy yeah yeah (laughs) so it's an entire contradiction in terms talking about this album it is i mean it's it's hard to talk about when we will talk about the music because I think it's incredibly ingenious musically. There's it's a musically ingenious like the way they use knives and I was the about sound to say, of scissors and knives and metal scraping yeah. and metal to create rhythmic things. So there's a song that starts with just a bunch of knives being scraped and sort of looped. Yeah. And that's it's the intro to the song. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life lying is the name right. of the song. 
Um, again, to, just to sorry to cut right yeah, in go there, for it, and go change it. it a second, but it's hard to know when picking out what song is what on this because all of it kind of blends yeah. through into the next part. Yeah. Some of the songs are only 50, 60 seconds long. Some of them are seven minutes long. He repeats Dirty Hands, Kitchen Knives, Drive Carefully, Dear. Like he, re- th- there are lyrics that are repeated all the way all through, through the record. record. Yeah, so yeah. it's very difficult to actually know. I still, I mean, I got this album in 2002. I got it just after it came out. I still don't know sometimes where some songs end and when some songs start i just don't know because it just feels like one massive passage of music i had to listen to this as a youtube album Mm -hmm. and and it doesn't have the songs cut like sometimes i was like i think this is the next song but i don't Mm -hmm. really know Mm -hmm. it's definitely a piece as a whole definitely 100 this is a piece as a whole and um yeah and like you say i'm gonna spend the rest of my life lying starts with knives being sharpened essentially rhythmically and i had never i've still never heard anything like no, that before there's a lot of things that this album does that i've still never heard before yeah loads i was do you know what man i'm just gonna say i was really fucking impressed with it i thought it was really impressive mm. and especially after the ways that you described it and i kind of knew that it had this a little bit of a reputation amongst a couple of people because <laughs> there's not the youtube yeah. the youtube stream that i listened to when the last time i listened to it had 192 views that was right. it okay um and i definitely feel like it should have more but but even us talking about how acerbic and heavy and weird and strange it is what pleasantly surprised me was actually how fucking beautiful this album is sometimes. Mm. What happens a lot is there's this, they're very good with timing for, for my personal taste. And they're very good at like having a bit, which is maybe knives being sharpened, which sounds really quite horrible. And then it builds and builds and builds. And just at the moment where you're like, I don't think I can stand much more of this. Something comes in, which is just the most beautiful thing like this a beautiful piano refrain or some amazing operatic style female vocals come in or some and you're like oh my god that's beautiful <laughs> and then something else happens and you're like oh my god <laughs> I, I i have to say i'm kind of bulking a little bit as you use the word beautiful because to me they all sound like kind of warped versions of what would be considered beautiful I, well, that well, makes yes. me worry about your mental health to be honest the fact that you've, you've well within within beautiful. this well my mental health is fucked but yeah. there, there is there is a lot on this album that i, I th- i'm guessing it's the penultimate song i'm not entirely sure but there's, there's a female voice that comes in at one point um towards the end of the album and it's been building to something quite catastrophic by the sound of things and it's just it's just a total release of like yeah, oh my god it, yeah. it's beautiful you know mm. um, they also can pin a very catchy but still threatening lyric. I mean, yes. the, um, there are hooks on this album. A little place called Trust is one of my favourite songs on it, which is the one that goes, eh, not, which is just dun dun get a dun, but dun that weird drum beat, and then all that like dun that weird thing, and it, okay. well, that, that's the riff. I have to kind of say uh, the riff because you I don't, don't know, know what otherwise. The yeah, 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 yeah. But that bit at the end, and then just as it's like really like boom boom go boom 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 go go, and then he just comes in with that um that and all those dirty hands and it almost yes. gets kind of doo-wop but then yes. it's got this like doo-wop 
the fishes and the sing for you. And then he goes, I know you'll get what you deserve. Yeah. And they just go like, oh, even when you write a really catchy yeah. chorus, you can't help yeah. but go. I mean, I do not know what happened to John Congleton around this time to mm. make him write. I have I have looked of, um, you know, I have read up and I've, I've fucking, I've got the, I've got the lyrics of the whole album here now. Um, and they're, they're, you know, this is clearly the work of somebody who is very upset with another person. Um, this is the ultimate breakup out al- serial killer breakup album. I mean, rock and roll killing machine by drowning man. I was always like, there's a song on that called, um, uh, my first restraining order, <laughs> which is about him kind of hiding under the bed and saying like to this, like, crank phone in his ex-girlfriend saying he's gonna hide under the bed and that he'll turn up late at night and or and it's like all right mate fucking yeah, hell, chill out. Like, yeah. fucking hell but that sounds like fucking backstreet boys compared to this this entire album mm. seems to be john conger and going i'm going to murder this woman mm. i'm gonna murder a woman mm. that's what this album is and it's and and saying it over and over like obsessively saying it he says the same things a liver a lung a kidney and a tongue you know mm. I, sleep with the fishes hide the you know all those hide, hide the, the kitchen, kitchen knives. knives yeah it's like domestic your dirty hands like the whole thing well it feels like domestic bliss that's become a domestic nightmare almost because yeah. there's like, aren't there like references to marriage and stuff like this. It yeah. almost like feels like it's a couple who have been together for a few, you know, for like six months or something. They've been mm. married for like six months and it's gone to shit quite badly. And, uh, one of them wants to murder the other one now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's an oddly alluring record. I think I was surprised at how, um, well, A, I was surprised that there were any hooks on it at all. B, I was surprised that even though it felt in some cases unpleasant to listen to, all I wanted to do was to keep listening. Like, it's 48 minutes, this album. Yeah. And it does, despite everything that we're saying, I felt like it went really quickly. Yeah, because so much happens in it. Yeah, because so a lot fucking, happens So much it. happens in it. And um, to give you a kind of... Uh, I mean, again, to kind of not know what happened, you know, what what went on at that period. Um, I actually, you know, I've got a couple of the other Paper Chase albums. I bought, you know, after I got into this and then when God Bless Your Black Heart came out, which is the album that followed it two years later, I bought that very, very soon after it came out. I think it would probably struggle to get it on the day, but like I got it very, very soon after it came out. And that is not as good. You know, I've also got Young Bodies Heal Quickly, you know, which is their debut. That's not as good. That's all right. God bless your black heart is, is all right. You know, the, all the other stuff they've done is all right. They did, um, they did an EP called what big teeth you have, um, which I've got as well. That's, that's kind of all right. Um, but nothing from this band has ever come close to making me feel as uneasy. Mm. And even though, you know, there's songs like from the, the opening song on, um, God bless your black heart from the spider to the fly. I think it's called it is, it's really weird and really mm. unsettling and odd, but it's nothing compared to hide the kitchen knives. And obviously I, 
don't know if we'll ever get any answers. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough people who care about the answer. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if we'll ever get an answer, even if the people who do care want yeah. to get an answer. But this is this is a record that isn't on Spotify. Yeah, that kind of something thing, happened to John Congren around this this yeah. period, and I actually went to see. It would have been 2004. It would have been just after God Bless Your Black Heart came out. I went to see the Paper Chase uh, playing upstairs at the hybrid garage around this oh, time wow. and oh they God, were wow. really good i have to say like, their bass player because there's loads of like really thunky almost kind of les claypool crossed with chris novoselec bass playing on oh this. wow do you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah he's yeah. really kind of got loads of slap but yeah, their tone yeah, yeah. is so like thump 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 and they're a three piece fuck right. three are they a three piece yeah so it's it's they've got a bass player a drummer and then john congerton plays guitar vocals piano and like he had like a synth thing as well okay so i'm he was stunned doing, by that i had no idea pretty fucking unbelievable wow. okay. but they played one song from hide the kitchen knives one song do you remember what one it was they ended with i did a terrible thing which is the first song on this record oh. so they ended with that um wow. just to give you an, an idea of that so the lyrics to that uh of the little kind of portion of the lyrics to that and i've become such an ungrateful man just to hear those words you whispered out and then snickered in between the checkpoint the boot hill that arse in me says something's something's still best left unsheathed or out come the knives I did a terrible thing. And then at the end of that song, he's just going, I did a terrible thing. Just like screaming over it over, over and over, over again. And over again. <laughs> yeah. um, Renfrey, this yeah. is one of my favourite albums yeah. ever made. <laughs> yeah, you sadistic fuck. Yeah. It, it honestly, it is. I think it is honestly... I mean, I did do for you know, spoiler alert. Um, well, it's not spoiler alert. It's nothing to do with me. <laughs> I, on the old, on, a, on another podcast that I did, I did a, a top my top twenty albums ever made. Yeah, and, and this I think is this number sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I think it's quite brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite brilliant in the manner that the latest daughters album is quite brilliant or the latest or or, or swans are quite brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, I would struggle to listen to it regularly. I had a little period where I listened to it a lot. Fucking hell. Okay. That explains a lot. Um, (laughs) I, I, I'm not sure if I could say it's one of my favorite albums, but the amount of respect that I have for the fact that this album came out 17 years ago and I, I have never heard anything like it before or since. And the fact that it is so disturbing and yet there's something so alluring about it. And as a quote unquote professional music critic, I can't describe what that thing is. Cause I have no idea. I have no idea why this album pulls me in when everything about it should be pushing me away and yet it does and really it's my job to describe why that happens and i can't do it Mm. i've no idea i don't know there's just something about it it's really interesting um i think it's great and i think i will try and try and get a copy if i can because i don't want to keep listening to youtube i've got it on vinyl now i I think it's I think it's an absolutely fucking an incredible album. And I don't listen to it as much as I used to. I had a period where I I did used to listen to it a lot. Yeah. And because, I don't know, it it, it, it can be really catchy at points. Yeah, it can. It can. <laughs> like, I actually would sing along with it. Ah, it's you know, got like, some amazing piano bits in it. And like, it's yeah. got, 
it has so many instruments. I mean, one of the reasons I said it sounds like several instruments or animals or whatever being thrown down the stairs is because it just feels like they had a, a whole box of toys to play with and they just tried to chuck all of them on yeah. there. And there's some very like horrible samples in it as well. I mean, towards yeah. the end of I Did a Terrible Thing when the album like kind of really starts, when he, when there's that like phone voice of that guy going, you need to calm down, we'll be the, like, bring the body to this, we'll yeah. be the cashier, I'm waiting. Dun, dun. <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty it, fucked it, up it's record. Really, it, it's really fucked up, but I, but I'm, I, I want to listen to it more. I think it's really fascinating. I yeah. think it's a really fascinating record. I, I be, think you are sick as fuck to have it as your 16th favourite record of all time. Brilliant. But brilliant. I think it is great. Yeah. Uh, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing record. I would be really interested. Tweet us at Riot Act Podcast yeah. um, or go on our Facebook page and, and let us know what you think about this record. Do, if you, you know, it's quite, it's not, the Paper Chase are on Spotify. Again, Paper Chase are on Spotify. Yeah, they're on Spotify, but this album but this isn't, album isn't that isn't. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes me feel that this might be a little bit of a, everything you ever wanted to know about silence. It may well be, yeah. You I can't don't find know. anything to kind of him going, oh, you know, um, yeah. I did this album and actually I uh, probably sounded like a serial killer on it. Would be interesting to know though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's fascinating. Let's get that YouTube version up from 192 views guys let's get it to double at least <laughs> day to buy it day to buy if it. we can get it to 400 if we can get that youtube stream to 400 views i'll be fucking ecstatic yeah well you know if 200 of you i reckon i reckon this. 90 of them were me to be honest <laughs> yes, uh, quite possibly because I've listened to well, it a bunch of times on YouTube, not being able to listen to it on my phone or whatever. Yeah, and... About four have been me. Okay. And yeah. I will go back to it. And I I, I, I want to own this because it's not a record that I'm going to go back to like every week because fuck. But I will go back to this every six months or something and be like, yeah, that's a fucking bizarre record, isn't it? Mm. You know? Yeah, it's I think it's great. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. So anyway, that's Hide the Kitchen Knives by The Paper Chase. Let us know what you think. I dare. Yeah, uh, and next week and do hide the kitchen knives when John Conkleton's around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, if this record says um, anything to go by. Next week, Renfrey, I'm going to give you something I think that just about fits into our remit. People have said talk more about hip hop, and I think we should be. You know, I've given you various hip hop albums. The last one I gave you with the Streets. Um, yeah. We've talked a lot about modern hip hop, and I want to talk about something which is at the very least, a talking point within that world. So I'm giving you 808s and Heartbreak by Kanye West. Oh, blimey. Okay. 808 and Heartbreak. You fascinated. You look delighted <laughs> at the thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, are we really busy? Uh, no, I'm not going to give you something busy. Um, I am going to give you something that I decided way, way, way long ago. Uh different to that i'm going to give you not for want of trying by maybe she will oh yeah i like that album they released last year it's good right they didn't release an album last year because they split up three or four years ago well what did i hear then <laughs> maybe she will oh i'm, th I'm thinking of someone else don't worry you might be okay yeah good not for all right so maybe she will sure. and little yeezy kanye west uh will be chatting next week kanye west's first appearance on Riot Act, I believe it is. Almost certainly. Probably the last, I would imagine, as well. Hopefully. So we'll be back next week to do that. Um, go to musicism.net, put Riot in the checkout to get 25% off. And of course, remember, if you're going to Arctangent, 
Go over to their website and book your tickets with the code Riot Act. Riot Act. Or one word. Or one word. Big R, Big A. Big R, Big A. And you can see the likes of Daughters they're playing. We spoke yeah. about Daughters. Battles. Yeah. Cult of Luna. Yeah. Um, and headliners, Meshuggah and Coheed and Cambria. And yeah. many, many more fantastic bands at the UK's premiere. Possibly Europe's premiere on technical metal post-prog, rock, whatever you want to call it, interesting music. You're making that festival. sound really broad, but yes, I would agree well, with that. It's quite broad, isn't it? It's got, you've got Employed to Serve, you've got Brutus, you've got Frontera, yeah, loads. Sweet. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. We will be back next week with albums. Bye. Very good. <laughs>